Hey, welcome to the 193rd episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of, en- of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. I almost had it. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter and be really cool by going to patreon.com slash jmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to more. You get an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week on top of this random podcast. And I've been talking about comic books uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch series from 1985. So wrapping that up, going to talk about some movies coming up soon. Uh, like not recent movies, but like older movies. So you can hear about those and other things as well. Never know. <laughs> but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck. And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. All right, this week, I think it's going to be a, a regular size episode. It should be a full episode. Um, I'm going to, I'm not going to cover Bird Girl. There's actually, with this week, there's only, I think, one more episode after this, and then the season, quote unquote, season is over. It's, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm going to keep watching it. I enjoy watching it. It's just, it doesn't seem like there's much to talk about. So we're not going to talk about that. The feature movie feature is going to be Justice Society World War II. So that is, so depending on when you listen to this, it's currently available digitally. And shortly after this, like this week, it's going to come out physically. So thanks to Warner Brother Home Entertainment, I got, they sent me a, a physical copy. I like watching the physical copies. I like the digital as well, but there's something about the physical. I'm still old school that way. So you can hear about that. Minor, minor, minor spoilers. But then, you know, it's like the usual, the way I cover movies where I'll talk about like the first portion of it and then just kind of overall as well. And then uh, Star Wars The Bad Batch. I did not realize that two episodes were dropping this uh, past week. So that the first episode, which came out on Star Wars Day, was an hour and 15 minutes long. It's like 75 minutes long. And that was, so that was on Tuesday. And then on Friday, I guess Friday is the normal slot, which makes it tough for me, but whatever, that's my problem. They released a regular um, episode too. So you can hear about that. I'm going to talk about Legends of Tomorrow. We'll see how that goes. Um, I finally, I got caught up uh, and uh, we'll see. And then the other stuff, the Nevers, Mayor of Easttown, Cruel Summer, Flash is back. So you can hear about all that, plus comics and the news. So with the news, uh, Loki, I guess start with Loki. I think originally Loki was supposed to premiere June 11th. It's June 9th now. So Loki is going to be coming on Wednesdays, which is awesome for me. And I guess Wednesdays are the new Fridays. And uh, maybe it's because the Bad Batch is out on Friday, so maybe... Disney doesn't want to, I mean, it makes sense. Like Apple TV, they put like every, like pretty much everything out on Friday. So it's like, holy cow, everything all on the same day. So it makes sense to spread it out during the week. And you know, yes, people like binging different things. And thank you for releasing one episode at a time. I'm a huge fan of that. But uh, yeah, so that, that's, that's good. Marvel has also um, released like kind of like a little teaser thing about like upcoming movies and all that. So there's like a tiny bit of Eternals footage in there and everything and, and some little tiny updates on, on phase four stuff. So like uh, what should we call Black Panther is going to be called Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So that's out on um, 
July 8th, 2022. And instead of Captain Marvel 2, it's going to be called The Marvels, which is a interesting um, idea. But, you know, I guess we'll probably see Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel, and maybe Monica Rambeau will be on there. Um, and then others, so like this year, so what are we going to have? We're gonna, on July 9th, we're going to have Black Widow, which will be in theaters and Disney Plus for like the, the extra or whatever. Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings, September 3rd. Spider-Man No Way Home is December 17th. Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness is March 25th. Thor Love and Thunder on May 6th. And then Black Panther on July 8th. The Marvels on November 11th. And then uh, then there's Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania, which is now February 17th, 2023. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is going to be May 5th, 2023. And then that video they ended with the Fantastic Four logo. So no no idea of that unless they're just talking about phase four, but we don't we'll have to wait and see. So that that should be cool. So lots of good stuff there. Blade, I guess, is gonna be filming in summer twenty twenty two. So that that's still still coming. And um, Kevin Feige said that Doctor, so Doctor Strange was supposed to be in WandaVision, was supposed to be like in the last episode, but they ended up writing him out. And I guess they said there's going to be something like with the commercials that maybe that was sort of Doctor Strange's way to try to get in there or something, I, not, which would make sense because they never really explained like where the, what was up with the commercials. But yeah, I don't really see how those would involve Doctor Strange, but whatever. They they reason um, they didn't bring in Benedict Cumberbatch. They, they felt it'd, it'd be cool and everything, but it would kind of take away from Wanda becoming the Scarlet Witch and everything. Spoiler. Um, so they, they were like, let's let's just not, not do that right now. So we have all that. And then uh, Taika Watiti, he had some things to say about Thor, Love and Thunder. Uh, basically, he's like, he, he feels it, it might, just might be the best Marvel film ever. <laughs> and and yeah, I, I I'll, I'll buy that. That that sounds about right. So well, actually, I don't know. So we'll, we'll have to see about that. Uh, other thing, what else? Uh, Andrew Garfield, he's pre- denying any like Spider Man No Way Home rumors. I think he said something like, "Like yeah, they didn't even they didn't never call me or anything like that." So no, I'm not in it. But we'll see. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I I just wonder where these rumors started. You know, a source said this, and then it just goes from there. Like, what what is their source? Like, the little nephew (laughs) saying that this is what's going to happen. So, Black Spider, or Black Superman. (laughs) Black Superman. Apparently, I don't even know what to believe with this. I I don't think I've ever seen, like, an official statement. It's always, like, someone reporting on this. And then you got to dig. It's like, okay, where did they get their... Is it from a source or was it the actual source? But apparently, Black Superman is not going to be part of the DC Extended Universe or whatever, DCEU. Uh, They're looking for a black director. I get that and everything. I I don't know how how I feel about that because I feel like when you narrow it down saying we have to have a black director we have to have this we have you know we have to have a woman and yes there should be more opportunities for black directors for women directors for you know other besides white dudes but i always say it should be like you know who is the best director for this project you know don't bring in some you know you're basically eliminating all these potential candidates by saying we just want it in in this narrow aspect but at the same time, see, I don't know. 
I, I really, I, I'm, I'm all for, and here we have just like stumbling back and forth. It's, it's such a touchy subject too. Cause you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it, maybe it is, it's for the best. I mean, I'm, I'm not opposed to it or anything. I, I don't think, it, but it's just, it just feels weird when they specifically narrow it down and maybe because it's, it's not like a strong issue for me, but I guess if you're going to have a movie about a, I mean, just you're going to have a movie about a black character. So you have to have a black director, but here, here's the thing. I've been seeing arguments about that. Uh, that and again, whether you do this or not, because you know, some people are saying it doesn't matter if, if Superman, it doesn't matter if Kal-El is black. He's an alien. He's a fictional character. It doesn't matter. Then you could also make the same counter argument, which is maybe a dumb counter argument that if he's a, a black alien, why do you necessarily have to have a black director? I mean, well, maybe he's going to grow up in a black household, and there sort of be other, other issues or you know stuff that that come up that a white person or another whatever race might not be aware of or be able to relate to. Or uh, I, I don't know. It and it, it just seems weird. And and I I guess I'm kind of thinking how we're really like trying to get this firm stance on things but when you're starting to see like voice directors where it's like okay you're a versatile voice actor but if you're white you can't do other roles you can't do other other ethnic you know what i'm saying you can't do other things and it's like so you can't do other genders you know what what about like nancy cartwright doing bart simpson is that that a no-no because she's a woman doing the voice of a boy. So you're you're eliminating jobs for... <laughs> but then it's like, what about like uh, Solar Opposites? It's like, you're not an alien. You, you're taking a job away from an alien that could come to Earth and try to get a work visa by voicing. I don't know. I don't... Re- I, it doesn't really matter to me. But there's... Anyways, going back to the point of this. So this Black Superman... What did, are, are they going to call, call it Black Superman? I doubt it. They're not going to call it that. There's no way. Um, it's So it's supposed to be written by Nahisi Coates. And it's going to be produced by J.J. Abrams. Because, you know, a lot of people were, were thinking, it's like, oh, if J.J. Abrams is producing it, maybe he's going to direct it. But now Warner Brothers, since a lot of people are saying Warner Brothers is racist, whether they are or not... I don't know. I don't think so, but I don't know. I'm not there. And uh, so basically, if they got a white dude, J.J. Abrams, a director, people would be like, hey, what's up with that? I don't know. And uh, they're, they're saying, well, you know, it's maybe it's going to be like a 20th century piece. You know, it could take place in uh, before 9-11 where, you know, it could be, who knows? So we'll have to see about that. I just... Um, if, if you want to do a separate movie like The Batman with Robert Pattinson's, that's a separate. Joker with Joaquin Phoenix was separate. That's fine. So you want to do another you know, Black Superman movie in some other pocket universe? Go for it. That That's great. You know, more content we get, the better. I still want to see more Henry. I want to see Henry Cavill in like an actual Superman movie, like where he can be heroic, be a symbol of hope, and not just so angry, you know, be put in angry situations. Not that he was angry, but, you know, like BVS or, or I don't know. I, don't, I just want a good Superman movie. <laughs> so we'll have to see what's going to happen. Uh, CW 
they're giving Stargirl an early season three renewal, so that's good. Um, I guess Jeff Johns must be doing something good, even though some people want to say otherwise, which, whatever. Um, Flash news. Apparently, Tom Cavanaugh and Carlos Valdez are leaving the Flash after season seven. Uh, isn't Tom Cavanaugh already gone? Is he coming back this season? I don't know. And Carlos Valdez, I thought he was leaving like after season four. I mean, I don't want him to leave. I, I, I love Cisco and I, I love Carlos Valdez. Well, I don't love him, but he's he's been super cool to me when I've had the chance to interview him or, or, or ask him if I could get a picture with him. I don't want them to leave. I, I, I like them on the show. But like with Carlos Valdez, he's like hardly on the show as it is. You know, he wasn't on this week's episode and I don't remember if he was on last week's. So I don't know if it's because of the COVID stuff, but it just seems like we're kind of like seeing limited appearances by certain characters or like like kind of flip-flopping where they're not always in every single episode, which is fine because there's like so many people, so you don't have to see them all the time. But I, I don't know. We'll have to see what, what happens. Stranger Things, uh, there's a teaser for Stranger Things Season 4, and... Uh, I don't even know what's going on with this season. So we know there was like a, a bit of a cliffhanger last season and we know that they're going to address that. But the teaser came out and it's it's like a minute long, but it felt longer where we, we see a bunch of kids just in this room doing stuff. And uh, then this dude comes in and he's like, hello, children. They're like, hello, Papa. <laughs> and then he's like, how are you today? Fine, Papa. And then uh, then it kind of pans out. You know, it's, it's like in a hallway. So we don't see the dude's face. And then the camera kind of turns around to this other door. You hear, like, heavy breathing, and someone's like, are you listening, Eleven? And then you, like, see Eleven's eyes or something like that. So that's probably where she grew up or whatever. I, I got to think about this. Or I almost feel like I need to go back and watch season one because it feels like it was so long ago and everything. Like, I'm trying to remember, like, what they showed us before Eleven made it out and everything. So... I don't know what to think. And are are, are we going to do like flashback scenes? Because, you know, Millie Bobby Brown doesn't look, I don't know if she can pass for pre, you know, season one. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, it's also with Netflix. This is, I'm really super excited about this. Uh, Lady Killer. I think it's a movie, not a series, but there's going to be a Lady Killer movie. So Lady Killer is based off a comic by Joelle Jones. She wrote it. She drew it. She drew it amazingly. Colored amazingly by Laura Allred. And uh, it's basically like a... It's kind of like a... It feels like a 50s housewife who's a serial killer. Or not a... No, 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 no. A 50s housewife who's actually a professional killer. <laughs> there you go. Not a serial... Not a serial killer. I don't even know where that came from. A professional hit hit woman. Uh, so, you know, she, and her, like her husband doesn't know. It's from what I recall, her husband doesn't know. So it's like, you know, she goes out on these jobs and, you know, then has to explain where she's been. And, uh, and Blake Lively is producing it and apparently he's going to be in it as well. So that, that's going to be cool. It's look up the comics, the comics from Dark Horse. Uh, I think there's two volumes, right? There's, was it a four issue miniseries? And then there's a Lady Killer 2. It's, it's 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 good stuff and and I, that's what i like when we see these original original as original as you can get you know these new projects that get get take off so that's that's really cool uh there was a trailer for quiet place 2 <laughs> remember that movie oh man so that's coming out in theaters may 28th and 
that was the last movie I bought a ticket for. And then I had to get a refund because I was like already. And then like the Monday before, they're like, theaters are closed. <laughs> so I was like, can I get my money back? They're like, sure. <laughs> so there's that. Um, so I mentioned I'm going to be talking about Jupiter's legacy next week. Did I mention that? I don't know if I mentioned that. So Jupiter's legacy is out now. I'm not talking about it in this show. Started watching it over the weekend. Watched a good chunk of it. There's just no way I could fit it in, plus it's a full water. So I want to give it the full uh, feature treatment is my excuse. So I'll be talking about that next week. Uh, season two hasn't been greenlit yet as I record this. So make sure you're watching it. So, you know, you know this is uh, Frank, or Frank, this Frank Quietly and Mark Miller. So check that out. Watch it because I'm sure, you know, the, the streams will determine, you know, if a lot of people are watching it, then they know people are going to want to. You want, want more. So if you haven't started watching it yet, start watching it because I am going to talk about it next week. So it's from Mark Miller. Mark Kickass Miller. All the stuff that he does. Uh, oh, Marvel stuff. Uh, Dave Batista has kind of talked about Drax's future. He he doesn't think um, there's going to be much beyond Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. He said that James Gunn had an idea of a, like a Drax and Mantis movie. But it doesn't seem like Disney was really interested in it. So he doesn't have any other obligations to, I guess, to his contract after that. So that might be the last time. It's just, that, I don't know. It just, is he bitter about this? I mean, yeah, you should be. But I don't know. I mean, I guess they have these big plans and everything. And a Drax and Mantis movie, you know, how. I, you would say, okay, yeah, let's do a Black Widow movie. Let's do a Doctor Strange movie. You know, obviously there's a difference there. But then if you look at, or oh, we're doing Shang-Chi and we're doing Eternals, but we don't want to do Drax. So it's probably not that they don't want to do Drax, but they have so many other things that are already in the works. And if James Gunn wants, you know, mentions a, a Drax and Mantis movie, would he hand it off to someone else? Would someone else like direct it and, and so forth? He might be okay with that, but uh, you know, should he direct it? If you know he's established these characters, so it feels like he should be involved, heavily involved. You know, he doesn't have to be. So it just might be that the things, you know, the stars aren't aligned at this moment. Doesn't mean that they're absolutely ruling. You know, did they absolutely say no? I don't. I don't think so. So we'll have to see. Um, Ali Wong is going to be in Paper Girls, so that's a on. Amazon. So Paper Girls is a Brian K. Vaughn, Cliff Ching comic. And uh, there's like time travel involved and some stuff like that. So it takes place in the 80s. Uh, so I, Ali Wong is apparently playing the older version of one of the girls. So one of the Aaron, I, I believe. So that that's that's good news for that. Oh, there's no more Flash news. Um, Excess. So Nora, the Barry and Iris's daughter, She's apparently going to be back for the 150th episode, which is uh, going to be episode 17. Um, so episode eight is what we're talking about this week. So I don't know what that means for her coming back. And I, I you know, I really grew to like her more because in the beginning I was just like, whatever. So I, I was kind of bummed when she had to leave. And I just, I really don't know how I feel about Bart Allen now being their son instead of Barry's grandson. It's like I don't I don't get why they're changing that, and but maybe they got a reason. I do do not know. 
And then the last bit of news, a lot of news this week, which is good. The last bit of news, Hannah John Kamen, Kamen from uh, uh, The Stranger, <laughs> Netflix. I don't know why that's a go-to. You watch that show. That's a, that's a good show. I don't remember if I talked about it on the podcast or not, but, but that was good. I think that was pretty sure that was called. And she was also in, um, oh, what was that? It was a sci-fi show that I always wanted to watch, but it wasn't streaming anywhere. Um, she was on a sci-fi. It was a sci-fi show. Um, now I feel like I should know. Anyways, she was, uh, she's in uh, Ant-Man and Wasp. So she was Ghost. So she is going to be um, playing Red Sonia. So that's that's cool. I I, I mean, I, are they going to make her hair? Her hair is not... I don't think there's any... Is there any red to her hair? I don't think so. So that'll be cool. I, I liked her... I really, I really liked her in um, Ant Man and the Wasp, and and The Stranger. I, like I said, that's that's a really good Netflix show. Keeps you know, like on an edge of your seat. And uh, I, that's so like after after like Ant Man and the Wasp, I was like I wanted to watch this this sci fi show. And by sci fi show, I mean the channel sci fi, not the genre sci fi. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look this up. Okay, the show. I just looked up. She was in the Killjoys. It was the Killjoys or the Killjoys. Um, I, cause I watched a couple episodes. I forget where I was. I don't know if it was like maybe sci-fi.com or a sci-fi app or something, but it wasn't streaming. It's not what, at least it wasn't. Uh, I don't know. Hang on, hang on again. Let me look this up. Okay. So my robot arm. Uh, so I use, I have this app called watch now, which is really cool. It tells you like a, a lot of new stuff that comes out, like on the different streaming channels. And you can also look up to see where something is streaming for free or where you can buy it or rent it. So it looks like Killjoys, um, five seasons. So I guess if there's a sci-fi app, but I think there's like ads or something like that. You know, there's probably something like that. One season's on Fubo. I don't know what that is. Two seasons on USA. Is there a USA app? And then you could buy all five seasons on Apple. You can buy the seasons on Amazon, on Fandango and Vudu. So um, I, yeah, so I must've watched a couple episodes, uh, probably into sci-fi app i don't remember what device i was using i don't think it wasn't this phone but it was it was a good show i was interested i i never watched it when it came out but um if you watch it let me know you know should i go back and try to watch these somewhere but um i'm curious to see like i i want to i want a cool awesome red sonia movie i think that could be really cool and i like her as an actress so i i think i i feel like she could do it obviously they feel like she can do it so we shall see and we'll see, we'll see what's next because that is it for the news this week. All right, with comic books at Image, we have The Good Asian. So this is by Pornsack Pichichote and Alexandre Tefenki. I'm horrible with names. I'm a horrible person. So I, I, this, was, this was a pretty cool book. I, I, I really dug it. So the description because it'll do a better job than I can describe it. Following Edison Hark, a haunted, self-loathing Chinese-American detective on a trail of a killer in 1936 Chinatown, The Good Asian is a Chinatown noir starring the first generation of Americans to come of age under an immigration ban, the Chinese, as they're besieged by rampant murders, abusive police, and a world that seemingly never changes. So... It's what I really like about this. I mean, obviously, if you've been paying any attention to world events, you know, there's been 
a horrible, you know, there's been a lot of discrimination against Asian people. And that's, it's just, I don't understand. I, it's completely unacceptable. It's, it's like, it doesn't matter where you're from. I mean, no one is better than other people. It's like, we're all friggin' human beings. So just like, let's stop acting like idiots and just, oh my goodness. And, you know, I don't, I, I feel like, you know, I should talk more about topics like this, but again, this is just a, a silly entertainment podcast and, you know, I'm, I'm not one to, to preach ideals or proper human, de- common decency. It, it's good that this comic comes out and it's it's really good. It's it's a good story. It's really cool art. The, the art and color just, it really has that noir feel. And I like that it does kind of um, give some education, like the immigration band. Be perfectly honest. I had no idea about that. I know you know things weren't always you know great for for Asians or just immigrants in general. So it was kind of cool to to get that little bit of like a history lesson and just you know get an idea how that was and then seeing you know this, this character how he's not quite in the same position as you know other immigrants or whatever and just seeing how how everything kind of unfolds it was kind of neat and then you got you know he does the detective story and like murders and stuff like that so there's some cool things here just all mixed together and and i think that's what makes the book like a a important read because it's entertaining you know it it provides a story and, and all that stuff but it also is providing some insight and you know, how much, how accurate is it? You know, it's not a textbook of, of facts and things could be exaggerated or tweaked or whatever, but, you know, it there's nothing like outrageously, it doesn't seem like things are, you know, it, whatever, you get what I'm saying, maybe. <laughs> so it's worth checking out. I, I definitely think, you know, you, you should read this, you know, pick it up. And uh, I'm, I'm really intrigued by this character like the position that he's in you know like just the idea of a a chinese cop you know in san francisco at this time you know it's because like he goes up to some kid shows him his badge he's like oh did you steal that because you know no one thinks like what an asian cop that doesn't make sense but you know there's reasons and stuff like that so you should definitely check this out i i I do recommend this book um and and just just to support as well so you should check that out. Uh, Noctera issue three came out. So this is continuing the story. So in this world, and I'm probably gonna do a horrible job explaining this, you know, there is this big event and basically like the sun went away, everything is dark. And within this darkness, there's these beasts, you know, people just evolve or whatever and just become these other things. So part of it is, you know, you need to avoid the darkness or, you know, try to stay in the light, but you know, there, obviously there isn't light everywhere and, you know, keeping things running and stuff like that. So the story centers around Nocturne, or the one girl. Um, we saw, her, we see flashbacks of her growing up and everything like that and with her adoptive brother and just seeing how things have changed and, you know, growing up in this world. And, you know, she drives this truck and does, you know, transports things and whatever. And she took on... She took on a, a, a transport, this this dude and his granddaughter, but then this, like, evil person is after them. And he, like, killed a bunch of people at, like, one of the, the truck hubs. So, you know, she has to make a choice. Should she turn over this dude or say no 
but then you know there's like other th- so it, we 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 get uh we we find out more about this world and like again with the glimpses in the past we get to see how things unfolded and just little bits of information in the, the present day so i'm 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 digging this book and it's it's pretty cool and and uh you know tony daniel's art it's, it's always i just i love just looking at it and you know with uh just looking at, at the colors and everything and how everything unfolds so I'm enjoying this book. Um, so you should definitely check this book out as well. You know, I realized, oh, I was going to read. So at Boom, I have this downloaded. I haven't read it yet. Eve number one. So it's a five-issue miniseries. I should try to remember to talk about this next week. It's a five-issue miniseries. It says, for fans of Undiscovered Country and Little Bird comes a new adventure series from award-winning author Victor Laval. Uh, and rising star artist Joe Mi Geong about a dangerous journey across a future dystopian America to save the world. When the ice caps melted, most of humanity was lost to the hidden disease that was released. Now a mysterious girl named Eve has awoken in secret and must deal with a world that's nothing like the virtual reality she was raised in. In order to save her real father, Eve must embark on a deadly quest across the country, but she has no idea of the threats that await her or the price she'll have to pay to restore life to a dying planet. And it's like there's like this, uh, I, I don't know, there's like this teddy bear that looks like it's alive, a sentient teddy bear maybe? Uh, I don't know, but I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by that. So uh, check that out maybe. Um, I'm And I'll, I'll, like I said, I'll try to remember to, to talk about it next week over at dc we had batman 108 so we finally get to see more of miracle mile is it miracle molly or molly miracle i forget uh miracle molly okay i think i at first i was doing it molly miracle i don't know which one i was doing so it's interesting because you know batman tried to infiltrate this you know group and um Batman goes undercover to infiltrate the transhumanist gang known as the Unsanity Collective and learn more about their sudden appearance in Gotham. So he goes as like Matches Malone and then kind of gets like discovered or whatever. And, and he's, but it's like weird because as he's infiltrating this, um, he's, he kind of has like long conversation with, with Molly and sort of like a tour. You know, she shows him everything around and, and she's kind of trusting. And, you know, so the question is, she knows that there's something up with him because, you know, as he's unconscious, whatever, as he's coming to, she's like, you know, I know she's like, if you want a mask, that's totally fine. Cause I know you're obviously wearing like a fake mustache and, and stuff like that. So she gives him like this little um, rag or something. I think I forgot what he, what he did. And, you know, she's just like explaining everything that they're doing and so forth. So it's, um, I'm really curious as to what they're doing. And, and it's interesting to see how, like where they're, hold up or whatever in Gotham and, and what this is going to mean. Um, I'm not really sure what, what, what's going on. And, you know, cause, you know, Gotham is, is packed as it is and with all the craziness. So this is adding more, but that that's a good thing. Cause you know, it, it's, it's nice that we're seeing some new stuff, new characters, instead of just saying, here's a Joker again, here's a Riddler again, here's a penguin again. So it, it's kind of, kind of nice with, with all of that. And then uh, there's also more on the Ghostmaker um, backup story. So uh, the more I read about him, the more intrigued I, I get with him. Because at first I was just like, okay, whatever. Here's this other dude. But 
I'm, I'm getting more curious as, as we see him in action more or whatever, just to see like what he's capable of and what, what he does. So I, I kind of like that. And um, surprisingly, the, the series that, that I'm actually kind of enjoying uh, is Batman Fortnite Zero Point. So the second issue came out, and I don't really know what to make of this. You know, I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, Fortnite, whatever, and you know, facepalm or whatever. But I'm just really intrigued with the storyline. I, I think I'm I'm fascinated. It's like, where is this going to go? And you know, that's you know, thanks to Christos Gage and Riley Brown. But you know, Batman basically finds himself in the Fortnite world or whatever. You know, there's like this portal in Gotham, and he kind of got sucked in. And as he is in the Fortnite world, I don't even know what you call it. He can't talk, and he doesn't have his memories. Like he doesn't know who he is. He has muscle memory. He can fight. You know, he can kick butt. But you know, he doesn't know what's going on. And then as he's seeing these other people, he's trying to. You know, so. He's trying to figure out like what's going on, and the world keeps like resetting. I think it's like every twenty-two minutes. So I don't know what the, the twenty-two minutes uh, part is is about, but he's trying to leave like notes and clues to for himself. So when it resets, he doesn't basically have to start all over. And you know, like at one point, he's like, "The cat is your friend," or something like that. And then there's a a cat character in Fortnite, and then he's like, "Is that the person? You know, is, is that who I'm allies with, or whatever?" And and so forth. So it's it's pretty interesting. And then you know, Catwoman's in here, and Harley Quinn, and um, I think there's going to be, be other guest stars coming up. But it it's an interesting thing. And then uh, like the local comic shop, I think I think it was the, the comic shop that said this. But so some comics were commented on how they're getting like a bunch of new readers, like a bunch of kids coming in for this comic. And that is awesome thing. So for regard, regardless of what you think about Fortnite or the idea of a Fortnite Batman comic, if we're getting new readers to read this comic and then may hopefully as they're in the store, they're getting a taste for something else or something else is catching their eye, they're reading more. This is what we need. We need the youth. We need kids to get into comics and get addicted to them like all of us are. Because, or just to get a taste for it, just to see what, what, you know, superheroes aren't just about the TV shows or the movies, you know, the, or the animated shows. You know, there's these comics that have so much story, so many cool things and everything, and that's where it all comes from. So, again, whatever you, you have to say about Fortnite, if this is bringing in new readers, that is a great thing. And it seems like DC has been putting these comics up on the DC Infinite. Is that what it's called? Infinite app as well. You can check that out. If, if you're subscribing to that, you can read those or you know buy the comic or whatever. So that's all, all, all cool. Crime Syndicate issue three. I, um, I couldn't get into this issue as much. I, I think it just might have been that moment when I was reading comics, when I came to this issue, I was just like, okay, I just want to kind of get through it, which is unfortunate and it's horrible on, on my part. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not the, I'm not a big crime syndicate fan at all. You know, I, I feel when we had, when we saw them in uh, like uh, Jeff Johns Justice League, you know, there were some some cool moments there and everything. But I, I kind of felt like it's like I don't really need more. You know, not not that that was like the end all story to everything, but now 
we're seeing these, this other. It's I, I'm so confused. Like, who wants a crime syndicate comic? But it is uh, interesting how things are different. So it's not just the same crime syndicate that we've seen over and over and over again. So there are some differences with some of the characters. So that makes it a little more interesting, like with a Superwoman and with the Green Lantern and, and so forth. But with this issue, you know, as they're fighting Starros and that, I'm just like, okay. And and I started, as I was reading it, I started kind of skimming through just to, you know, see like what was really happening and instead of reading every single word and panel. But I, I, I like it more than I thought it was. I, I would, because I was like, I don't want a crime syndicate comic, but I'm kind of curious with what's going on here. Um, Green Lantern issue two. This comic was uh, kind of nuts. So big, there's big changes happening for the Green Lanterns. You know, as they're joining the United Nation of Planets, the Guardians are all of a sudden like, okay, we're going to be reassigning a bunch of people. We're going to like deauthorize a bunch of sectors. So that means those lanterns that were working there, you're no longer going to be patrolling those sectors because it's going to fall under the United Nation of Planets, whatever. So a bunch of people, and 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 it's just like that. Like there's no warning or anything like that. Everyone suddenly just gets like their rings are reporting, you know, you're going here, you're going here, and so forth like that. So John tries talking to Guardians like, hey, you know, this could have been handled a little better. And they're like, why? Why would we put this off type of thing? So it's kind of interesting. But then there's like an attack at the same time. And basically the power battery looks like it gets like destroyed. So what that means is... Green Lanterns are basically losing their power. And what happens if you're a Green Lantern out in space? And we've seen we see uh some of the Earth-based lanterns that you know we we like may not be doing so well. <laughs> now are they I, I really don't think DC is gonna be killing all these characters, but um yeah, you're gonna have to do some something some tricky writing to explain that. Um, so yeah, there's some some crazy things going on here. Oh, and now uh, John Stewart. Before all that happened, John Stewart's getting assigned to this this big uh, mission with like a thousand Green Lanterns, <laughs> and they're going to go in like this big ship. It's like to the unknown sector or something like that. But yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Man, bad. I'm not reading, but it, that issue four came out. Next, Batman. I'm still behind on this. I, I keep forgetting to, to read this for some reason. I like gloss over it, so I need to get caught up on, on that. Um, Suicide Squad issue three. This is another kind of tough one for me. You know, I, I'm, I've grown to like the Suicide Squad. You know, as we've been having these series come out and everything, but I just I don't like Amanda Waller because she's not a nice person, and it seems weird that. They have Superboy, they have Connor there, and just, like, what are they doing? And where is this going to go, and how long can this go on? They're going after a new recruit from the Teen Titans, the Teen Titans Academy. So we're, we're going to have this, like, crossover there. So if you're not reading both books, you might want to start um, preparing for that. And uh, also Red X is going to is, – is playing a role. So, you know, Red X is in – in Teen Titans Academy, so who is Red X and what does this mean? Where is this going to go? So some some interesting things there. And then uh, Swamp Thing number three also came out, which I'm not reading that. But if you are, hopefully you're enjoying that. 
over at Marvel. So Amazing Spider-Man 65. We have more with Kingpin. So Kingpin is at the Ravencroft Academy, and he's trying to get access to... Um, oh, what what is the dude's name now? Uh, Harry Osborn. What's his other guys now? I'm totally drawing a blank. So... It's like weird because, you know, like what is Norman, like what is going on with Norman? And, you know, where is, you know, so he like basically stands up to the kingpin and he kind of makes some threats as like, hey, you know, you don't want to mess with, with me type of thing. So it's interesting, you know, like what is he capable and what is he not? And then there's more with uh, Robbie and Tombstone's kids with a uh, Beetle and Randy Robertson with them being abducted and with a, uh, Robbie and Tombstone having to work together. And also Spider-Man, he's like, you know, he needs to find Boomerang because Boomerang's been taken and or he's his life's in danger. So there's some some definitely interesting things being built up here. America Chavez, made in the USA. So um Yeah, I, I it was almost like it's like, wait, what happened in the second issue? Because I know I read it. But America Chavez is conf- is basically captured by someone who claims to have a connection to her past and is is kind of kind of like turning everything upside down like everything that um, America knew this person is saying that that's not the case and is trying to explain like stuff that happened so it's almost like what is the what's what's the truth and you know there, there's no way for us to know at this point because it could be okay yeah Marvel's just gonna pull the rug out from under us and just change everything that we thought we knew or this person could have some like ulterior motive and is just you know basically lying to come up with all this this crazy you know backstory and stuff so it's definitely interesting so i and i'm like i don't know where this is going to go and uh this this book is making me care more about america chavez than before because i was always like i could take her lever so i'm I'm definitely curious what's going to happen Hellions issue 11. So with this, wait, did I read this? Yeah, I did read this. Okay, so uh, I'm looking at the cover and, and I'm like, uh, Psylocke versus Betsy Braddock, what? Uh, so they're they're still in murder world and uh, you know trying to figure out what's going on and, and how can they get out. And um, it, it, there's definitely some revelations are, are put out here. And like you know, who's working with Arcade and how all this is, it's it's it gets a little messy and and so forth. Yeah, so that's definitely like some interesting choices are being made here. Okay, then there's Heroes Reborn number one. With this, I was just like, when I when I saw that the teaser came out, I'm like, what is going on? What what are we? What what is this all about? There's so I have to admit there are some interesting things. You know, so it's Jason Aaron and Ed McGuinness. Basically, it's something happens. The world has been changed. There is one person who is aware that everything's not right, and that's Blade. So, with that, I like Blade. I'm not totally crazy about Blade on Avengers. It, it seems weird, but maybe that's a good thing. You know, it does mix things up. It does make it a little different. But I, I think my problem with Blade is that he has such an attitude, like such arrogance. It, it's, oh, I, I hate to say it, but it almost feels like it's kind of like the Black Panther thing. I feel like Black Panther has been elevated 
to an even higher status because you know like i talked about it with the the phoenix uh story if if it was going to be black panther versus captain america because in the past i would have said hands down captain america could defeat anyone he would have a strategy you know he's kind of like batman in that way is he would be able to plan out everything and come up with a way to defeat his opponent but now it's like black panther is the ultimate everything that he he could take on he could take down galactus with his eyes closed without you know without even having to eat breakfast or whatever so on the one hand yes i think it's great that we have more people of color on the avengers on the roster but you don't have to make them you know you don't have to change who they because like if you looked at it like five years ago and say blade's gonna be on the avengers i'd be like what you know, here's a dude. Yeah, he he can kill any vampires or take on like an army of vampires or whatever. But I just feel like he's just like been evolved. So I don't know. Uh, and like I said, you know, I I like Blade, but you know, he's not like my favorite character or anything. So to put him in the center is like okay, that's fine. You know, it and it does mix things up. You know, it does make the story a little different. So that's fine. So he's trying to figure out what's going on, and he's trying to find the Avengers. And little by little, he's seeing that like the Avengers don't exist. Like you know, he finds a uh, Robbie Ray's like in, in the first pages, and he's like, "Hey, I'm looking for Ghost Rider." And he's like, "Uh, yeah, if you're that's a probably a drug or something." It's like I don't know anything about that. So he's like, "Yeah, I got to go home." <laughs> and you know, he's just trying to figure out everything that this happening and um the squadron supreme are here like colson is is like the president so obviously there has something to do with that i really and that's the other thing i really don't like colson as a villain i don't understand how that happened so i think it goes back to the the secret empire part where evil cap ordered deadpool to kill colson and then Coulson died, but somehow Coulson came back. When he came back, he was evil. Unless I missed something or some other way. But I think that's kind of how it, everything unfolded. So he's evil, and then he has the Squadron Supreme that he's kind of controlling to kind of hopefully you know take the place of the Avengers or something like that. So something happened, and somehow all reality has been been changed. And then we see like Doctor Doom with the power of the the Sidorak or whatever. And that's where Dr. What's his name? Not Dr. Doomsday, Dr. Juggernaut. Yeah. <laughs> but then there's like some other weird, weird, uh, mixtures and stuff like that. Cause you see how, how the world has changed. So with, with that, you know, it's, it's always curious. Um, so things, this is, these are in a solicit, so it's not really uh spoiler, but you have the black skull instead of the red skull. There's a silver witch, so there's there's a reason um Scarlet Witch and uh Quicksilver there's like something going on there and uh Thanos has infinity rings instead of infinity gauntlets. So I was like, okay, that's a little interesting, you know, mixing up his <laughs> his jewelry, whatever his fashion. And it's like, well, um where's Captain America? You know, where what what's going? We see like Tony Stark and everything. So there are some interesting things as to like how it's okay it is kind of like a what if or like a chain of events of like one thing happened differently it affects everything else so i do kind of like that i'm curious with that i forget how long 
this is going to take place. I hope there's not like a bunch of tie-in books, but I, I almost feel like there's going to be. You know, we're probably going to see like little, I don't know, because isn't there one with like Miles is like a falcon and some other characters, like young characters, so it's like they're probably going to have their own book and, you know, two-issue minis, four-issue, I don't know how long this is going on. But um, there's, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I was kind of surprised. I, I was more into this and I thought I would I'd be like jeez whatever but um yeah so I'm I'm on board with this to to an extent I'm you know when I say I'm on board doesn't mean I'm like yeah so I uh whatever you know Immortal Hulk 46 so man I don't know what to say about this is and uh you know I, I mentioned uh just the other day it's like I I have a deep respect for what Al Ewing has been doing on Immortal Hulk, it's just not my favorite thing. Uh, and I just, I like traditional Hulk. But it is good that we've been having these this, all these differences and changes and just the stories because it does add, it has added a new layer to the Hulk. It's been telling us different Hulk stories. And some of them have gotten pretty creepy, you know, to certain ways. So... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm kind of waiting for everything because you know everything always reverts back to normal or somehow, and just uh, seeing like the stuff happening with the Hulk and everything is just like, I don't know. And like Rick Jones and uh, Samson, I'm just like I don't like these things, but I'm still curious like what's what's going on. But then at one point where like the Hulk, he decides to go to bar. He wants to get a drink, and uh, Guy Rich spoiler. He's like, okay, I, I don't want to do this. I got no choice. I got to call the Avengers. So the Avengers are going to go after the Hulk. And Thor comes in and just starts attacking. And, you know, the Hulk was, he was being pretty civil, even though he was very menacing and the bartender was like freaking out. But he's, yeah, so it's like, okay, Thor, that's not the smartest. And, and the Hulk's even like, he's like, hey, don't worry. If the police come for me, I'll take it outside. So he's being respectful to the establishment, but then Thor just like starts fighting him, big jerk. Then uh, we have the Marauders issue twenty. This was a, a weird issue. It was a good issue. You know, it's Jerry Duggan writing Stefano Caselli, and it's 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 almost like a worship storm or like praise storm. You know, the other members are telling their storm stories, and again, so here's the other thing. <laughs> it's Storm, and she's black, so let's make her into this, this super awesome respect. And she's always been a character we respected. But it's just like, oh my goodness, this is all about, you know, all about Storm. Everyone's saying how you know she's such a badass and everything like that, telling her their stories. How you know, she, it's just it's so weird. But it's a, I mean, if it's a good thing, if it's getting people to open their eyes that are, if they have a. I don't know. Should I say narrow-minded viewpoint? Maybe. But, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but there's, there's some some funny moments here. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a good story. And it's preparing for the the mutant gala, the Hellfire gala thing, whatever that, that's coming. But, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> I, I like that issue. And what else do we have? We had, oh, Star Wars, War of Bounty Hunters. I, uh, Alpha... <laughs> So this was a Charles Soule and Steve McNiven. So it's like, come on, how can you not not like that? It's kind of interesting. So Boba Fett has Han Solo, 
And what we find out is there's something going on with uh, the carbonite freezing. And Boba Fett, he's like, okay, I'm gonna ha- I gotta have someone like look into this and fix this or whatever. And um, it, he doesn't have money to like pay for this, whatever. And the dude doesn't want to just like you know take credit or whatever. So he's like, hey, what if you? I don't like this one person. So if you kill them, we'll be square. And but the the person's like involved was like some big like gang whatever so both is like i don't need that that kind of heat on me but th- th- what it turns out is a person's like the champion of this like tournament thing so he's like all you gotta do is enter the tournament and go after this person he's like i'll even pay your entry fee so boba fett's gonna do it and if you look at the cover uh if you saw i guess it's on the director's cut of the cover but it was also on the promo where it's like wait why does boba fett look like he's all black it's because of the Marvels. No, it's a, he, he needs to disguise himself. You know, he doesn't, you know, he wants to try to, um, not be Boba Fett, whatever. So he uses like this temporary paint thing that, that basically evaporates after a while. So he enters as this tournament thing. It's, it's a good issue. And seeing Boba Fett doing his, his stuff is just really cool. Strange Academy issue 10 uh, the school goes on a field trip to Asgard, and uh, I, I, I like this issue. It, it felt like it went a lot faster than than I thought it, it would be. There's more development with the kids and with the relationships and stuff like that. But there's a, a couple of the Asgardian kids where it's like we find out who like more about the parents, which that is uh, kind of interesting. It's like, okay, I wasn't expecting that, so... There's there's that stuff. And uh, speaking of Asgard, there's also Thor and Loki, Double Trouble, Issue 3. Oh, man, this book is just so refreshing. It's so delightful. And I know some of you are like, delightful? Blah. But it's uh, Mariko Tamaki and Guri Hiro does the art. As I, I've said many, many, many times, I love Guri Hero's art, and I that's a huge part of why I love Gwenpool so much. And because like then when other people draw Gwenpool, it's like it it just doesn't feel right, even though it's it's still cool to see. This is just such a delightful book, and and it's almost like when this gets collected, I I kind of feel like I want to get it just because it's it's Guri Hero art. But it's it's some nice stories, and if you look at the cover, we have Jane Foster Thor, and I love Guri Hero's. Uh, depiction of Jane because there, you know, Jane did appear in an issue of Gwenpool, and you know, seeing Jane Thor and Thor Thor, uh, it's it's interesting and everything. So, I, I strongly recommend this book. And this is it's a it's all was it all ages? Um, do, 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 do. Oh, nine plus, which is basically all ages, kind of. So it's 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 this really good book. So if there's any young readers in your life, or if you are open to reading some like fun and exciting books, you should definitely be reading that because it's so such a. I, I just love it. And uh, that um, I guess that's it. That's gonna be comics for the week. All right, let's talk the Nevers season one episode four undertaking. So picking up from last week, from the last episode, uh, it's a funeral for Mary. So Mary was killed, which is still p- kind of surprising, kind of disappointing. But I, I guess that's what makes the show 
surprising or, you know, keep us on our toes. Uh, and uh, other people are like Lavina, Lavinia is there and uh, Inspector Mundi are also and, and Annie. Uh, so they're all, all there for that. And at the, at the same time, while the funeral is happening, uh, the crates are being unloaded in the city. So there's going to be something going on with that. At the funeral, a couple guys start yelling, calling them like freaks and witches. It's like, how would they even know that, you know, it's it's a, a funeral for someone who's been touched or whatever. Mundi, um, later he's mad because Amalia is not even there. And, you know, she's he, he makes some comment about, you know, the girl who could see the future or something like that. And, you know, she didn't know that Mary was going to get shot. Where is Amalia? She's in a bar drinking. And, you know, there's some music playing. And she... Um, she goes up to like the musicians and, and she, uh, as, she, as she's going up there, this guy grabs her. He's like, he's like, Oh, you said a, a kiss for a pint or something like that. And she's like, well, I'm a woman of, of my word. And then she kisses a musician. So then the, the guy gets mad fight starts up and, you know, she like grabs the instruments, hits him and everything like that. And then, you know, as, as other people start getting in a fight, then she just like gets up and like, and, and just like dives into the crowd. Cause she's just craving a fight. So I guess that's her way of dealing with it. Then we see uh, Lord uh, Masson. I was calling him Mason, but I think I think it's it's Masson. So the, the big Lord dude, whatever, he's out on the streets. Workers are complaining about the explosives in the crate, so that that's what they're unloading, and you know it's something like that. They're not getting paid enough and everything like that. So they're they're trying to put a halt to the unloading or anything like that he because he opens one up and there's a shell in there and he's like you know yeah these are good for blowing up the enemy and saving our lads he's like that's who you're holding hostage and he like tosses a shell at, at one of the guys and he's like it kind of fumbles and everything he's like if they were un unstable then they would just roll them at the enemies and he's like you know i could have your jobs filled within the hour so he's like get back to work he's like your pay won't get docked and he's like you know i expect better from englishmen i was like okay um then there's a you know a scene at the orphanage we see uh annie she's sitting in amalia's office and doc Kelson comes in and she says something about having a leader who doesn't lead since you know she's not there and he asks he's like oh are you looking to fill a position and she like scoffs but you know she doesn't comment that or she does make a comment that amalia does have the nicest room there and you know she says that amalia should have been there to pay her respects and you know it, then he asks, he's like, well, did, you know, did you see anyone out of place at the funeral? And she's like, no. Then he says, uh, you know, he doesn't see how she could go from working for Malady to being here with Amalia. And she's like, do you really think that they're that different? Penance comes in and it kind of like startles Annie because she like kind of gets up like out of Amalia's chair because, you know, like maybe she thought it was Amalia. But then uh, right after that, Amalia does come in and she comments that, you know, Malady didn't go to the funeral. And they said, you know, it'd probably be in poor taste or whatever. And a doc asked why she didn't go. But she just says that, you know, she doesn't even answer the question. She just kind of dodges. She says that the man who tried to drown her was Nicholas Purbol. So that was a big dude. And he says that the two attacks might not be related since a lot of people just don't like her. And then she gets a future flash. And Amalia is like sitting in a room. There's this red wall and there's like a, like a tiger head mounted on there or whatever. And Lord... Masson can be heard saying something about a casualty of war. Then she snaps back. So she knows that she's going to be obviously sitting in his whatever one of his rooms. And she doesn't even say anything about it. So I don't even know if they noticed. And she she's just like, I, I need to take a bath. 
Penance walks out with her, and Amalia goes through like um, the conversation with people who must be saying about her not being at a funeral, how she hates people, she hates herself, and everything like that. Penance says that you know, she doesn't know how many funerals Amalia's been to, but then Amalia cuts her off. She's like, none. She's like, you know, they don't do that where I'm from. You know, they don't have time or to land. And then Penance says that you know she knows what happens if you don't take the time to let the pain out. And Amalia says that you know all time runs out. And, you know, she was left there completely alone or something like that. And she's like, you know, is vengeance going to make the world better? They had, you know, had time to say goodbye when Mary was taken. And Amalia says that, you know, she keeps saying taken. She's like, no, Mary was murdered. And then she's like, you know, stop asking who wasn't at the funeral and start asking who wasn't at the park. So then Primrose, uh, the the tall girl, or like really big girl, she sees Myrtle crying and asks if she wants to talk. And you know, she's drawn some picture pictures of like Mary singing, her voice like you know coming out and everything like that. And she said that she heard her. And she shows Primrose more pictures and like a book, but Primrose can't understand what she's saying because uh, Myrtle, you know, she talks in all the different languages and everything like that. And then there's a picture of as someone with an um, umbrella. So I was like, is that supposed to be Amalia? Because it kind of looked like her her um, like sleeves, but then maybe it's Lucy because she had, did Lucy have an electric? Um, someone had an electric umbrella. Anyways, so uh, apparently when Mary was singing, she, she Primrose was like, did you understand it? And, she, and Myrtle nods her head. So there's something in this language that she understood what was singing. Um, at the police station, a woman goes to see Inspector Mundy. So she's a reporter. Her name's Effie Boyle. She's from the Sentinel. Uh, so the two guys at the funeral are still being questioned because, you know, uh, Mundi kind of like, he doesn't really say anything to the reporter or whatever. So he goes to see like, what, what's up with the two guys. They said that they were just walking and Mundi's like, you know, you're already going to jail. And the guy's like, well, you can't put us in jail for expressing ourselves. Then Mundi's like, he's like, oh no, I'm putting you in there for assaulting a, a police officer. And he takes off his coat, starts rolling up his sleeves. And the one guy looks at the other guy, he's like, oh, we like that plan or something like that. So it's like, what, you want to go to, I mean, unless they just like the idea of, you know, fighting a cop or something like that. And then the other the other cop in the, that was in the room before just sitting there, he's like, enter the ape. And then the guy's like, he's like, wait, what? He's like, the boxer? He's like, is that Frank Mundy? And then the other cop corrects him. He's like, that's Inspector Mundy. So then the guy standing, he like backs on. He's like, oh, no, no, that's okay. You know, so they, they've heard of him. The other guy's like, you know, someone approached us. You know, we don't know who it was, but he gave us a piece of paper. He said that they were bearing a touched and we should call them out. So the card has the address of the funeral and the time. And then there's like a swan symbol on the back or something like that. So it could be Hugo Swan. At the orphanage, Amalia, Penance, Lucy, Annie, and Doc, they all try to figure out who would have targeted them. So they have a list. You know, it could be the police, could be Malady, could be Gilbert, Masson, uh, Lord Ma Ma Mason, Masson, whatever. Um, Mason? Masson? I think it's Masson. Now I'm forgetting what it was. The Beggar King, Augustus Bidlow, and Lavinia Bidlow. So they go through, like, who might have had motives and stuff like that. And it turns out, you know, Penance is still mad at Augustus from when how he was, like, cold to her at that party thing or whatever. Um, there's a gentleman, um, the, 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 the gentleman's, like, sitting room club membership thing, whatever. Hugo's playing chess. Mundi barges in, grabs him, and yells at him about, like, the, the funeral address or something like that. And Mundi, you know, he takes him in the other room, and he, like, he shows him the card. And Hugo looks at it. He's like, that's not mine. And Hugo says that, you know, he knows, or people know that Mundi doesn't like him. Then he realizes that this is about the shooting. He's like, oh. He's like, I didn't have anything against Mary. And Mundi's like, she was your rival or something like that, which I'm not really sure what that meant. Um, 
did is there some other deeper history between Hugo and and Mundi? I don't know. So then uh, Hugo says it. You know what he just wanted to learn about Am Amalia True, and what he learned was to stay away from her. So he's like, I'm not part of this. And Mundi's like, Of course you are. So like, if it's not you, it's one of the guys you're playing chess with. And Mundi says he's like, he's like, Well, we're done. He's like, The debt I owe you is over. It's like we're we're clear. Then we see um, Harriet. So she's one of the ladies at the orphanage. She's talking on the phone, trying to find someone who understands a dead language or whatever like that. She's like, yeah, bring Klaus. I don't know who Klaus is. You know, so she, they're going to try to bring in some like translators or something like that. Augustus is standing on a field looking at the birds. Penance comes up, and he's like happy to see her. And she says that you know she knows she's not welcome there, but he's like, oh, no, well, of course you are. And then he, but he asks, he's like, but did anyone see you come here? <laughs> so it's like, okay. Uh, he offers his condolences about Mary. Then he says that Lavinia made him do it and she, and that it would be bad for her. And she's like surprised. So it's like, is he admitting that he killed Mary? And then he stumbles with his words. You know, he's like, oh, that didn't come out right and everything like that. He's like, I thought it would be the gentleman thing to do. And she's like, murder? He's like, what? What are you talking about? She says, you just confessed to murder. And she's like, I made a recording of it. And she pulls up like her, her dress a little bit. And she's got like this recorder thing like strapped to her leg. But it kind of like malfunctions and you know, like shorted out or whatever like that. And then so it finally comes out. He's like, no, he wasn't talking about Mary. And you know, he just wants to make amends. And she's like, you know, I cried. And she's like, I, that seems petty now. But she's like, you know, I, I don't have a lot of experience with men. And, you know, he's like, I would give anything if I could erase that day from your mind. And she's like, that's not how it works. And, you know, he says that he'll just have to re-earn her trust. And, you know, he doesn't want, you know, to be, he doesn't want to just be her acquaintance. He wants to be her friends. And then she's like, do you, she's like, okay, then do you think your sister did the murder? <laughs> so then uh, Annie, she's uh, throwing some fireballs at some guys. And, and she's like, I was only asking or something like that. This one guy named Nimble starts talking. So he's on this alley. His name's Nimble Jack. And she asks what he wants. And he's like, well, maybe a drink. And he starts going on about a place, whatever. She just tosses a fireball at him. But then he throws up a shield and blocks it. So he's touched as well. And apparently she's like, oh, oh, you work for the beggar king. He corrects her by saying, he's like, no, I work with the beggar king on occasion. So, and then he, I guess we're going to see more of him probably next episode or something like that. Amalia, meanwhile, she drives her car to uh, Lord Masson's and he offers her sherry rather than condolences because he's like, you know, you probably have your fill of them or whatever. He says he doesn't have anything to do with it and no one at the club has claimed credit. So, you know, he's just like cutting to the chase or whatever. And now he's like, um, so now we can see that she's in his office where she had her time jump because you can see the red wall and like above the mantle of the tiger or whatever. They just like start talking things over and she's like, uh, you know, this isn't just a warning. It's about hope and it's about pulling the heart out of the orphans. And Masson says, he's like, yeah, you know, I would think so. And he says something that, you know, she's just a casualty of war, which is what, you know, she heard before. So Amalia like, so we're at war. And, you know, he's, and he starts going on about like war against England or what. So it's like kind of weird because then they're like kind of role playing. He's like, whatever. And I don't know if he admitted to being involved with it because he's like, you know, if, if I was involved, then, you know, you'd be going up against England or something like not just me. So she talks to the other about how slippery he is and how, you know, he didn't like straight out say that he was involved or something like that. They all comment how that, you know, they can't let the murder slide because then the next time it'll be worse. Lucy mentions that, you know, he has a warehouse full of munitions 
and there's probably no one there at night. So Amalia's like, you know, he deserves much worse, but that would be a start if they, you know, take out his shipment of whatever. So then at the, the station, superintendent calls Mundi to get in his office. Malady is in there and she's like choking to do, you know, she's got like a gear or whatever around his neck. And, she, you know, she's like in the window kind of leaning out while he's being choked. And Mundi tells her to let him go. And she's like, the papers are saying that, you know, she killed Mary. She's like, I only kill angels mostly or whatever. She's like, and I like Mary. And she says that, you know, she was at the funeral. He's like, you were? And she claims she was in the box cuddling with Mary. You know, she has like some of the flower petals that were, you know, dropped on the coffin. And he asks what she wants. And she's like, I want everyone to stop lying. So she lets the dude go. And then she jumps out the window and he's like, no. And then she landed on something soft and he like jumps out and chases her. And then she like stops or something like that. And she like punches him. He like, hits her or whatever. He smashes her head against the wall like a couple times. And I think she like tries biting him or something like that. And then he like knocks her out. This other cop comes up with like a knife and then Mundi grabs him, slams him against the wall. And he's like justice, whatever. And he's like, I'll have the badge and balls of anyone who goes after her. So it's like, I don't know why a police officer is going after like a prisoner with a knife instead of, something else i don't know at the orphanage everyone's gathered in the room there's like that's all the translators so harriet has uh, myrtle say what she wanted to say slowly and then she has her say it again one guy's like oh, i recognize you she's saying the darkness and then some lady's like before before the dark come before the dark and myrtle's like see see and she repeats it again lucy um breaks a lock so lucy has a power where she can make something just like break or like kind of explode by, by touching it so she she breaks the lock at um Masson's warehouse and you know so they they go in there annie's also with them and uh there's some dudes in this one room this mechanical bear on a bike rides up to him and then they're like like what is this and then it like its head pops up and it shoots out like some knockout gas or something like that so then amali and, and lucy start looking in, in the warehouse and there's no one there it's like completely empty so amalia then opens up a crate it's full of stones and lucy insists that you know there's supposed to be munitions there and amalia is just like staring at her and then so basically lucy's busted she's like how long you know or when did you figure it out and amalia is like you know you mentioned the trophies in that mason has mason has in his room or something like that so you know lucy would have had to have been in his study to see them so that was, I guess, her reason for the flash, the, to kind of point that out or something like that. And Amali's like, and this was a perfectly uh, convenient plan, a warehouse of munitions that no one is guarding. Uh, Lucy's like, she's like, I didn't know what they were planning for Mary. And Amali is like, that, you know, she's like, you know, I wanted it to be someone else. She's like, you know, you were the first woman who walked in the door and, you know, that, that she trusted. And, uh, you know, they, they talked about casualties or whatever. And, you know, Lucy's saying that how she broke her son to pieces with her powers, like when, you know, she, before she could control him or whatever. And she's like, he screamed longer than I did when I pushed him out. And she's like, I haven't touched anyone in three years. Masson says that, you know, they can come up with a cure. So then Amalia pulls out her gun. And, you know, she talks about spies during the war. But then uh, Lucy blows up a crate. So it kind of like, fall, or just like the corner of the crate. So it kind of falls over. And then, you know, towards uh, Amalia and then Lucy runs. But she comes back um, to attack her. Um, the gun falls from Amalia's hand. Amalia swings like a piece of wood. But then like, Lucy shatters it like right as it like hits. And then, you know, um, now the gun's like out of, out of her hand again or whatever. 
So Amalia hits her, punches her, and punches whatever. Lucy is like reaches on the ground, and kind of blows up a little bit, so like it shakes or whatever. And then she's gonna leave, but she she had this like elephant brooch or something like that. So she dropped it. She goes back for it, and you're you hear the gun cock, and Amalia gets ready to shoot her, but then puts the gun down. And she's like, you're done in London forever. She's like, you know, we're going to put you on a boat and you'll stay gone. And she's like, but first you're going to tell us everything. So she's like, you know, where are the munitions? And um, she, she tells him like where they're at. So Mason gets a call. Mason gets a call about a fire or something like that. He's like, he asks if anyone at the factory was harmed. And they're like, it wasn't at the factory. He's, he's like, what? Where, where did this happen? And there's like the Paul Street storage building. So he's like... So that must be where he put the munitions, and they blew those up. Melody, meanwhile, is locked up. She, um, she's talking about a plan. You, I guess she's, like, talking to God or something like that. She's like, you know, I was just your instrument. She's like, you know, I'm what, blah, 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 whatever. Amalia and Penance talk, and Penance can't believe that, you know, Lucy betrayed them or whatever. And um, she's happy that Amalia spared her life. And Amalia's like, she's like, I didn't. You did. And Lucy mentioned that Amalia had no idea what was going on. And Amalia says that, you know, she can't get close to anyone. Lucy's proof of that. You know, she does say that Penance is the strangest person she's met, and that's why she trusts her or something like that. And then, uh, then Penance just out of the blue, she's like, Augustus is touched. She's like, he controls a bird. And Amalia's like, I'll be damned. And, you know, Lavinia doesn't know. She thinks that he's afraid to tell her. And then Primrose, Myrtle, and Harriet come in. But they're they're kind of afraid. It's like they they're hesitant to say something, so they tell her that Myrtle understood Mary's song mostly, and you know even Mary didn't know what her song meant. You know she was just singing whatever these words. So it's there's some bit about like emotion and semantics, whatever. And she's like, "You're not alone." And Amalia's like, "Yeah, well, we could all feel that." And then she's like, "You, Mrs. True." She said, she's like, uh, and so Mary's, this, the song said, Amalia, my lonely soldier. And there's like something about wearing stripes. And she said, quote, I didn't leave you. I went into inside the city. I was damaged, uh, like incomplete or something like that. I had to heal. Soon we will all be ready, but it's dark. There's a darkness. So she said uh, to everyone, all of us to gather, protect each other because of the dark. And then at this, like, Amalia starts sobbing. So it's like, what does all this mean? Penance asks that there's more. And then uh, they're like, uh, find me. L let them help those who will come below and find me. Come before the dark and we can save. And that's where it ended. And that's when she got shot. So Harriet says that she's like, those weren't Mary's words um, or something like that. And then those were someone else's words. So then Harriet asks, like, well, whose words were they? And who do we need to find? And Amalia is just like silent. So it, it says, because uh, they, they call her Mrs. True. So I don't know. I mean, unless I missed it, if it was mentioned at some point, I don't remember them saying something about her being married. So is this person obviously her husband or someone she cared for? And they disappeared. He has to heal. He went into the city. Is he underground? And is it like his words, you know, find me before the darkness? No idea, but uh, that's where it ends. So interesting stuff. And if Masson, Mason Masson isn't involved with the killing of Mary, that's a pretty bold move. So, um, you know, they're not uh, going to tiptoe around with this. So we'll see what happens next.
then with mayor of east town and just to be clear i mean unless just so you know it's mayor m-a-r-e i think i said that the first time i don't want anyone to think i'm i'm saying the mayor of east town and it's weird because it's east town with two t's and it, it just looks weird when, when you see that title so mayor of east town so uh episode three enter number two so mayor is staring at drew her grandson and she's thinking about the custody thing and then uh, there's a medical examiner report. So the approximate time of death for Aaron was between midnight and 2 a.m., which is what they knew. There is no signs to suggest she was sexu- sexually assaulted. Sexually. I'm certainly uh, Sean Connery. She wasn't sexually assaulted. The bruises bruises appear to have all happened like uh, around the same time. And part of her finger is missing. So they're like, what's up with that? And they're like, well, maybe it's from a bullet. You know, she was shot in the finger or something, I guess. Because, you know, they were saying, you know, maybe she, like, put her hand up to stop it. They took, like, fingernail scrapings. They sent those out to the lab. So they have to wait for for those results to come back. Then uh, Kenny, so Kenny Aaron's dad, his cousins are out looking for him. Like, the one guy is, you know, he's like, uh, he says to his other, he's like, I'm, you know, I fell asleep or whatever. So they do find him passed out on the rocks. And then he, they, he wakes up. So it's kind of like how his daughter practically almost and then he gets up. He's like, I got him. They're like, what? He's like, Dylan. He's like, I got that SOB. And then they just look at each other like, oh, crap. So Mayor, um, she wonders, she's with, with Zabel, with um, Evan Peters. She's like, you know, if, if Aaron wasn't assaulted, why did they take all of her clothes? And he's like, well, maybe they wanted to make it look like that. Or maybe it was a date gone wrong. Or maybe they were, you know, starting to go at it. And then she stops it from happening and she's like it was freezing cold that night you know and why would they go out in the woods when they could just go in the back seat of a car and he's like oh yeah you're right and he mentions that at midnight you know there'd still be kids in the woods and none of them heard a gunshot so mayor's like she wasn't killed in the woods you know she was killed somewhere else and then dumped where she was found and he's like well you know that would explain why her bike's still missing so Kenny's brought in, or he's in the station. Mayor reads him his right. He confesses to uh, going to the gas station. And, you know, he went, got in Kenny's car, or got in Dylan's car. He um, shot him. You know, he, he's like, I killed him for killing my little girl. And Mayor's like, you didn't kill him. He's like, what? She's like, Dylan's still alive. So doctors are talking to his parents. Uh, the bullet went through him, and it didn't hit any of his organs. So they performed a laminectomy to remove the bullet. Sounds like, what the heck is a laminectomy? So it's a surgery. I had I looked this up. It's a surgery where part or all of the vertebral bone is removed. So they asked, is he going to walk again? And Doc's like, well, we don't know that yet. And you know, he's lucky that he was brought in because he wouldn't have survived much longer if he was like out in the woods. Siobhan, uh, Mary's daughter, watches this video of, of her brother and his girlfriend She's working on some video, some project for school or something like that. Cause she's just like, she's, you know, she's looking at video and she like narrates some part. Like when she first realized that her brother was different and you know, something like that at home, um, later than, uh, Mare and Siobhan are trimming Drew's toenails. And he mentioned, he said some of his grandma said he might have to go live with his mom and Mare, you know, her mom, um, Mare's mom's like standing in doorway and she just like looks at her and she's like, Oh, you know, she's like, Nana's just silly or whatever. She's like, you're going to stay here with us forever. And then she like shakes her head and mouth. She's like, and mouth's like, like, what, what are you thinking? Whatever. 
So then uh, she goes out in the kitchen and she sternly talks to her mom. She's like, what are you, what are you doing? She's like, he's only four. And Mare's uh, mom, she's like, I just want to prepare him. You know, she's like, she's his mother. She's like, you know, that's, there's not much we can do about it. And then, uh, and Lori like walks in the house and while they're arguing, she's like, um, Hey, she's like, can I talk to you? Cause she, she tells Mare about Aaron's friend who came to, you know, over to her house to talk to her. So she told her that Aaron's friend told her that Dylan wasn't DJ's real father. And Mare's like, why would she go to you? Not the police. And she's like, I asked her that. And, you know, she didn't want to go to, to Mare because she thinks that the real father is Frank her ex-husband Mare just like scoffs at this. So the friend said that she saw the two of them together twice at Aaron's house. Like after school, she saw Frank pull into the driveway with Aaron in the car and he got out and he had like diapers and wipes and formula or whatever and went into the house. So Mare decides she's like, well, I'm going to go ask him right now. <laughs> so she just gets up because, because Frank is like, lives like practically like right, right next door like just across the way. So at, at Frank's house, his fiance's she just like opens the door. So um, Frank's fiance's son and girlfriend are there. Seabon's there. They're like playing like a board game or something like that. And she's like, Frank, can I talk to you? He's like, can we do it tomorrow? It's like we're in the middle of the game. And she's like, I need to really need to talk to you. He's like, just relax. He's like, well, we can do this later. Then she finally says, she's like, you lied the other night when you said you didn't really talk to her. She's like, you lied. And she like walks out onto the porch. So he follows her, and outside she's like, "Just like so, you knew her more than you let on." And he's like, "Yeah." And she's like, "You know," he's like, "We could have this conversation in a different way." And she's like, "What different way?" She's like, "I'm investigating her murder." And as they're, they're talking about this, they can be heard inside. And Siobhan comes to her. She's like, what's going on? And Mary's like, ask your father. He lied to me. He knew Aaron when he told me he didn't. And there's a rumor that he's the father of her baby. And Frank's like, what? He's like, what the F? And then his, his fiance's in there. She hears all this too. And her son and fiance. And Mary's like, she asks, what's the truth? And Frank pauses. He's like, yeah, I helped her out. He's like, it was after, after Kevin died. And and she confided at me after class one day. She was upset. He's like, you know, things weren't good at home. She needed things for her baby. And he's like, I, I felt sorry for her. So I bought her a few things. And Mare's like, did you have sex with her? And Siobhan's like, are you effing serious? And Mare's like, you need to get in the house. And, she, and then she's like, F you. And Mare's like, don't talk to me that way. And then Frank's like, she's like, no, you stay right there. He's, and he goes to Mare. He's like, no, I never had sex with her. And he asks, he's like, where did you even hear something like that? Mara's like, someone told Lori. And she asks, he's like, are you willing to take a paternity test? He's like, sure, Mara. He's like, I'll take your test. He's like, have your lab guys come over to the house. And she's like, that's not how it works. And he's like, well, you tell me how it works. He's like, I'm not afraid of, of their tests, just like I'm not afraid to talk about our son. And then Mara just leaves. And he goes inside. He's like, I'm sorry about that or whatever. So it's like, talk about awkward. So Mare talks uh, to Dylan's parents later. Um, they have DJ with them. And she says that, you know, she's really sorry for what happened to her son. And they're like, well, that's, you know, yeah, thanks. You know, you know what can we do to help? And she says that um, she needs Dylan to submit a DNA test. And, you know, she says that they got some information that he might not be the father. He's like, it's just a rumor. And they're like, you know, he might not ever walk. And Mara's like, I know, but she's like, I'm investigating murder, and it could help him. So then Zabel talks to Frank about, you know, where was he that night? And, you know, he says he got home, you know, his, so that was the night of his engagement party, whatever. And then he went out to the bar. He, he got home. He got a ride from a friend. 
and he's he's like, yeah, I'll take the DNA test. He's like, I didn't have sex with Aaron, and I certainly didn't kill her. So then um, Mary comes to the station. The chief like kind of talks to her in the hall. He's like, he says that Aaron's cell phone records have arrived, and they're on her desk. He's like, and also Frank is in there with Faye, so his his fiance. And Mary's, uh, she's like, okay, thanks for the heads up. So she goes in there. She says good morning to Faye. She just like glares at her. So then Zabel asks her, he's like, so how to go with the parents? And she tells him about, you know, saying they want a DNA test. So then uh, with the cell phone records, the last call was at 1055. So she called Deacon Mark Burton. So he's priest at the church. And it was interesting because when Mayor's cousin, uh, what's her cousin's name, Dan, when he was talking to the deacon, because he asked him if he knew Aaron. And he's like, you know, just from the youth uh, thing, and, you know, she she stopped going when she got pregnant. So he's like, you know, I didn't really know her. But I was like, well, why did they show this whole scene? So it's like there's got to be something w- with one of them. So they go over to the deacon's place, and uh, Mary's cousin answers the door. So the deacon's over at the church. She tells Zabel that they're going to question she because he's like, are we going to bring him in? She's like, no, we're going to question him right here. And she's like, really? And because she, she's like, yeah, he'd be less likely to lie in, in the Lord's house or whatever. So they, they talked to him, and she asked if she can record the conversation. So, you know, where was he that night? He said he was there, and he admits, he's like, yeah, we spoke briefly. And Mayor's like, you know, why'd she call you? And he says, he's like, we had a relationship. He's like, we had a friendship when she was in a youth group. And Zabel asks, he's like, do a lot of members of the youth group call you at 11 o'clock at night? And he's like, no, but if they did, I'd answer. Mayor asks if he was ever alone with Aaron, and he's like, yeah. He's like, there were times over the year when we were alone. And Mayor asked him if that concerns him with the reports of, you know, children and priests and stuff like that. He's like, of course. He's like, but, you know, I can't allow that to stop me from fulfilling my vocation. And Mayor's like, it's odd that you didn't tell us that she called you the same night that she was murdered. And then they're, they're like, well, how did the, um, how did you guys end the call? And he's like, I told her that she was loved and God bless. So Mayor says, thanks. They leave. And on the way out, um, you know, they're out the door. He, like, kind of walked them. She's like, oh, one last thing. He's like, could you um, give consent that, for us to look at your cell phone? She's like, you know, we could do it at the station or, you know, we, we could come back with a warrant or whatever. And he's like, he's like, no, there's no need. He, so he gives her her phone. And, you know, she's like, what's the passcode? And he gives it to her. So she leaves with the phone. And then Dan, uh, Mara's cousin, is inside. He's like, Are, everything all right? And that the deacon, he just nods and he goes back into like the main part of the church. So then later, Mayor's home. Um, her mom's like, like, oh, you look nice. So Mayor has a date. And uh, Mayor's like, oh, really? That's great. She's like, I'm, you know, she's really sincerely happy that, you know, she's going back out. She's like, you know, doing something, you know, rather than just staying home all the time and just working. So there, um, there's a knock on the door and, you know, she wants to meet uh, Richard and everything like that. And she's like, oh, hi, Richard. And she's like, Mary's told me all about you. And she's like, no, I haven't. I just told you like two minutes ago that I was on a, going on a date. So it was just kind of funny and everything. Um, Sia Bond's band is going to play at a local radio college uh, radio station. So they're they're waiting. Um, one of the members is like just laying on his like couch. And, like clearly she's so she ate some edibles or something like that. And then a D- DJ comes in to talk to Sia Bond and uh back at a girl whatever she ends up like throwing up on herself a little bit whatever so on the date uh mayor talks about her dad like her i think guess her dad was like a cop and so she's like kind of following his footstep she talks about her son being dead um the upcoming custody you know thing happening he talks about how his ex took his son away 
And, you know, he's like, you know, they had a good relation or he had a good relationship with the son. And he tells Mara that, um, you know, she should just talk to the kid's mom, you know, that she wants to be part of his life. And he's like, you know, any, by doing that, you're not conceding to anything. You know, she's like, you're his grandmother. But he's basically saying that you should just, you know, she's his mom and, you know, she's going to want the kid. But she still wants to be part of, of her grandson's life. Siobhan, um goes back to the station after the show. Because apparently she left her purse there. And then so it's like, wait, is a DJ flirting with her? Because, you know, we did see in the first episode where Siobhan was like in laying, sleeping in a bed with another girl. And I, I don't know who it was. I don't, I don't remember if they showed us or not. Maybe it was that one girl that was at the station. But anyways, um, so it's like, is the DJ flirting with her? And she, um, she says that there there's a show or she's like, you have a show this weekend? And, and Siobhan's like, no. And the DJ says, well, I have an extra ticket to this concert if you want to come and see bonds like i can't she's like you know thanks but she's like i'm sorry and maybe it's because she has a girlfriend um wasn't really clear on that then a, a couple kids are were playing football and found aaron's severed finger so you know there's some cops at this field or whatever and, and so marin and zabel are there uh they they got some canines that were like were kind of focused in two areas so where the finger was found and by this bridge, this little bridge or whatever. So Mary thinks that they they found a crime scene. and But she's like, you know, we need some firearm canines. And, you know, they don't have any. He's like, do you guys have any of that? And she's like, no, but County does. She's like, I just need someone to call them, which means Zabel since he works for the county. So he's like hesitant, whatever. He's like, the bullet could be like half a mile in any direction. And she's like, yeah. But so he he calls. So he um, he he says that he asked for like all six canines or whatever. So then it cuts to night. Mare's still looking around with a flashlight. And Zabel's like, you know, we should call it a night. You know, it's kind of chilly because he didn't have a heavier jacket or something like that. And she's like, the dog picked up something, you know, around this one area. And you know, because she, she shines a flashlight at the cor- top corner of this building, she's like, look, see that Nick? She's like, that's a ricochet. And he's like, oh yeah. And then she kind of follows the path or whatever, and then shines a light in the tree. You can see there's there's like a the bullet went in a tree. So then uh, we see uh, Dylan with the doctor, like kind of testing his legs, and you know he can feel the pressure on his feet, so that's good. And then the dad talks to Dylan. There's a rumor about DJ and about maybe him not being the you know the father, you know Dylan not being a son. And Dylan's like WTF? He's like, and the dad's like, you know, you should just do the test just to be sure. So then um, Zabel says that. Uh, he tells Mary that they got an anonymous call and a tip line to look into the circumstances of uh, Deacon Mark's transfer to St. Michael's, the, the local church there. So he was at one parish and he got shipped off to another. So then he asked her, he's like, did your cousin mention anything about the transfer? And she's like, no, but you know, I haven't asked him. So they go back to the deacon's house, they knock on the door and there's no answer. And Zabel's like, well, the lights are on. And but you know there's no one answered there, and then we see that he's like upstairs, like looking out the window, staring at them. At the hospital, Dylan asks his dad to bring DJ over and put him on his lap. He's like, well, "You're not supposed to have pressure." He's like, "Just, just do it, whatever, please." So then, uh, he's, so he's just and he's just like starts looking at Dylan in the eyes. I don't know if he's trying to see like, is this my son? Is this not my son? Because even though he's young and put, you know, it's like. He's got to feel something for him, even, you know, if he was a complete jerk about it, you know, with when Aaron was alive. 
Mara gets a phone call, wakes her up. It's um, that one old lady, Betty. Someone up wrote some graffiti on a fence that said Betty's boobies, and there's like some like crude drawing or whatever. Uh, then Mara's like, you know, did you get that camera fixed? You know, husband. He's like, yeah, it's set up. So she looks at the footage. And she sees who did it. It's like, I don't know if she sees the, the guy in the hood. And she deletes the video. So I'm not really sure. Maybe, you know, next episode we'll find out why she did this. And she then she tells her husband, she's like, it doesn't look like it's, it's, it's still not working. He's like, what? And then Betty's like, of course it's not working. And, you know, whatever. So poor dude. He set up the camera. And Mara said it, he, he messed up. So then Mara talks to Drew's mom. And Mara's says that you know she's hoping that they could wait until the school year was over but carrie's like you know i've waited long enough she's like i'm getting a new apartment and mara says that you know she's like well i don't want to give them up and she's like you know if if we go to court i'm going to say that you're an unfit mother that you had psychotic breaks that you couldn't raise an effing kid to save your life and you see ghosts in trees you talk to people who aren't there and carrie's like i'll tell a judge that i'm on medication now and i haven't had an episode in 16 months and he's my son god damn it she's like she's mine not yours and you know she goes on she's like you know kevin i think hated you he despised you and you know she's like if he knew that you were you know raising your son whatever and he's like he deserved a lot better than you and that's where like their their conversation ends so mayor's sitting in her office thinking zabel tells her the report came back um, besides kenny no one has any registered firearms including dylan and uh, brianna's parents so for a suspect, they're looking at a family member or an intimate partner. Mayor says that that gives them Dylan and Kenny, but they can't confirm Kenny's whereabouts for the entire night. Zabel says he's like, well, why would Kenny confess to killing Dylan but not Aaron? And you know he asks, he's like, well, what about Brianna? You know they had bad blood, and but the uh, mayor's like the body was killed and then dragged all the way to the dump site. She's like, there's no way Brianna could have done all that on her own. And Zabel's like, well, there's also the deacon. And he's like, well, what, you know, what, is there anything in the phone, his phone, cell phone records, whatever? She's like, nothing substantial, just a few texts between him and Aaron, mostly around the, the birth of the baby. And, you know, she asked, she's like, how did you crack that other case, that missing persons case? He's like, you know, it, it wasn't magic. He's like, I just went over to, you know, statements and evidence over and over. You know, I talked to people over and over, just kept, you know, checking. And then, you know, if, if his story kind of changed a little bit, then he would like look into it, whatever. So then we see Mare, she goes like into the evidence room and she's looking, she takes something out of a box and it's like something, it's like some sort of drug or something because it's like an alien head. So I'm looking at it, it's like, is this supposed to be like acid or is like, what, what is this? Whatever. And then see uh, about she's working on her video project some more. Then she uh, goes to see uh, the DJ at the, the radio station to return a shirt or something like that. And she asks, she's like, is that concert ticket still available? So she's, uh, having had a change of, of what she changed her mind about going mayor sitting at a bar, uh, Richard texts her, I guess, you know, he, he can't make it for some reason, whatever. Then Zabel comes over. So he's, he's been drinking. He's pretty drunk. He said that he's having his 15 year reunion there. I don't know if it was high school or something like that, or maybe it was college. I don't know. But then he says that his almost ex-wife was there and I guess she called it off like right before they got married and he goes on about, he's like, how one morning she's just like, nope, not in love with you anymore. And so, you know, he's kind of been like looking back at his life and how it's not exactly what he thought it'd be or whatever. And then, then he says, you know, he's sorry about her son and, you know, or something like that. And he asks if she was a good mother and she's like, no, I wasn't. 
And so then a couple of Zabel's friends call him over. And he's like looking at her. And I wasn't really sure about this part, but he's like, you know, I'm not sure I want to go back to them. He's like, you know, maybe I'd rather stay here with you. And he's just looking at her. So I don't know, is that a slight flirtation going on just because, you know, he's so drunk and, you know, he's a dude and she's a woman. And, but then he goes and then um, she looks in her pocket and she has that thing from the, the evidence room. So, again, I was like, what's some sort of drug or something like that? Then we see his car stops on a bridge. And it's a deacon. He gets out. He goes to the back. He takes Aaron's bike out of the back of his car and then throws it into the water. So why the heck does a deacon have her bike? And why the heck is he throwing it into the river? And I don't know if he was wearing gloves or not, if it would matter. But that was pretty nuts. So then Mary's sitting at home in the morning. Um, chief knocks on her door, asks her to come outside. So he's like, you know, where were you last night? And she says that, you know, she just came home, you know, whatever. Um, he, cause he's like, the station got a call from someone named Carrie Layden. He's like, does that sound familiar? And she got pulled over late last night. The cops found two packets of heroin in her glove compartment. She swore the drugs weren't hers and that Mare must have planted them on her because she wanted to make sure she didn't get custody of Drew. Mare's like, She's a drug addict, so she'll say anything. And the chief's like, you know, that's what I thought until she described the stamp on the heroin packets. So I guess that's what, what the alien things were. She's like, it was a stamp that he remembered from a case last year. He went to the evidence locker, and yesterday someone changed the logs from 66 packets to 64. And he, she asked, she's like, you think it was me? And he's like, he's like come on, Merrick. He's like, cut the BS. He's like, I know it was you. He's like, I'm going to talk to the DA about getting the charge against Carrie dropped. He's like, part of me wants to make sure you never wear a badge again. And he's like, I'm putting you on administrative leave. I'm going to say that you're overworked, uh, you know, with the cases that you're on. And, you know, you're still struggling to deal with the loss of your son. And he's like, I'm going to do you a favor because you're worth saving. So he's like, I need your gun and your badge. And then so she goes inside and, you know, and this is hard for her because now she's feeling like, she let her father down. So then uh, she comes out with the stuff and he's like, and if you even think about going, if you're thinking about going back on a case, he's like, don't do it. So this is pretty nuts because one, okay, this is the the third episode. And I, well, how many is there? Seven, whatever. It's, a, you know, it's limited episodes in the middle of this case, right in the middle of this investigation. And now he's basically pulling her off. He's saying, you know, you're on administrative leave. You can't do this. And she's good at her job. You know, she found a, friggin ricochet bullet and all this stuff so it's uh pretty crazy and you know what is she going to do if, if she's not being a cop since that's like such a huge part of her life so um the the preview for next week things are looking are looking pretty crazy i don't know if it was all for next episode for for more future in the season but that was pretty crazy that she planted those drugs so it's not a good idea all right cruel summer season one episode four you don't hunt, you don't eat. So this is like one of my new favorite shows. I'm just, I'm digging this. And again, it goes back to this, the way the story is being told, how it's it's taking place over three years. And I, I think and I figured something else out because there, I always kind of had a little confusion between, uh, so it's like 93, 94, 95. And you can clearly see the difference now, you know, if, if you pay attention. So this, the story is, Olivia Holt from Cloak and Dagger, her character was abducted, basically, and she spent several months living or being held in this basement. 
And then uh, this other girl, this nerdy girl, so this was in like 93, she kind of took over Kate's life and became popular and took her best friends, took her boyfriend, everything like that. And when Kate came back in 94, she's like, Jeanette Turner saw me, knew I was there and didn't say anything. So there's like this, you know, hatred towards Jeanette and everything like that. And in 95, you know, there's, you know, a year after this, there's this lawsuit coming up. So now we find out that Jeanette is suing Kate for defamation or whatever. So, but then the thing is, is uh, Kate's obviously hiding something as well. So it's like, we don't necessarily know the whole story. And the question is, because Jeanette's saying that she was never in the basement, that she didn't know anything about uh, Kate being there, but we know that she's broken into the house because it was a, the assistant principal's house that her, her realtor dad was selling. So she has a key to the place. So there's just like just this bit of mystery that we don't know what's going on. So this episode, the events that are about to unfold take place on approximately July 15th, 1993, 1994, 1995. And the difference between the three years, so 93 is very bright. It's like cheerful, more innocent. And, uh, you know, Jeanette tends to, you know, have glasses and braces and, you know, curlier hair or whatever. Um, Kate is like, you know, you can, she even looks younger, you know, and her hair's a little more styled, whatever, like, uh, you know, big hair type of thing, whatever. In 94, Jeanette is, has had a makeover. She's wearing contacts now, doesn't have braces. And, uh, Kate has, a her hair's like straighter. And then 95, Jeanette has like really short hair. And Kate's hair is shorter too, but the whole uh, the filter, the camera is it's a lot bluer, like it's more dreary and darker. So you know, because in the beginning they tell you the years, but then then it uh, it just kind of throws you. It goes just jumps back and forth all over the place. So it starts out ninety three. We see uh, Kate's stepdad. He's like cleaning the shotguns, um, and Kate's stepsister isn't too warm with her you know it's like you know kate's trying to be nice to her and everything like that and so her sister her stepsister ash she's just like kind of doesn't want anything to do with her 94 kate's looking around the dining room at home and then uh then we we see like a flashback or something like that where she's like taking a shower in a basement or something like that and assistant principals and then he like runs up the stairs to lock the door or something like that. And she like, so I, th I think what happened is she was taking a shower and he's like dropping some food off down there and she heard him. So she like kind of comes out, but then he runs up, locks the door and she like, you know, there's like a, a thing, a trail mix and she throws it. She's like, I don't want trail mix anymore. She's like, I just want to go home. Then in 90, it goes back to 94 where she's in a dining room and her stepsister comes in and she's like, they redecorated the dining room. So it's like, while I was locked in the basement, they redecorated this room because there's like new wallpaper or something up in there. Then uh, in um, 95, in the same dining room, the lawyer's there to talk to them. The lawyer says that Kate's reputation's at stake, which also means the family's reputation. Plus there's a lot of money at stake. You know, if, if they lose a lo the lawsuit, Kate's just, she's like, just, just tell me, how do I win? And the mom's like, well, that's what the lawyers are here for. And she's you know, going stuff like that. And Kate's like, well, then why don't you just let the lawyers speak? 
you know, so Jeanette's been prepping and building her case in secret for months. Kate says, you know, it's smart. It's, you know, sociopathic and uncaring or whatever, but it's smart. And she's like, luckily, I'm smarter. So she asks again, so, you know, how do I prepare? So the lawyer asks Jeanette, uh, you know, he the lawyer says that Jeanette is, is, is saying Kate knowingly spread false information, which caused her to suffer damage. So her, her lawyers will try to make Kate as unreliable, like an unreliable narrator. So the lawyer is like, you know, they're going to be asking you questions over and over again, you know, and trying to poke holes in, in your story in any way possible. 94, Kate's in her car with Jamie. And um, she asked him, she's like, so, you know, what did you guys do after the garden party? Because that's when he went off to meet Jeanette. And then she followed him and she saw them kissing. So he's like, oh, he's like, that, that was like two weeks ago. And she, you know, she's just a little looking at him. He's like, I, I just kicked it with Ben, you know, but he wasn't. And she's like, okay. And he's like, why, what do you ask? She's like, I got to go to therapy. Cause before he's like, he was trying to avoid the question. He's like, you got, you're going to be late, whatever. With her therapist, she's talking about how she doesn't really have a safe place anymore. And, you know, she used to think the world was safe and now she just kind of hangs out in her room, but it feels like just another prison. And we see her like, you know, she's talking, she's in a room and, you know, she's, taking out like ribbons and like trophies and stuff that were in a room. And she's just like, she's kind of like done with this stuff, you know, cause things have changed. She's not the person she was before in 95. The lawyer's like, Oh, let's pretend I'm Jeanette's lawyer starts asking her questions. So, you know, she says she was in captivity for months and they're like, well, how long were you? Or, you know, when did this happen? So it's just like, you know, asking all these questions. Um, and Jeanette said that, you know, or she said Jeanette broke in the house and she went to the window to like, well, how could you see the window or whatever? And she's like, well, it's covered in fencing or whatever. And she's like, I saw Jeanette fleeing. And she's like, we made eye contact. She's like, I'm sure of it. And so then the lawyer's like, well, Jeanette's lawyer will probably try to dig deeper. You know, so her entire time in captivity is fair game. And they'll try to remind a jury that she was traumatized in a way that could affect her memory. Then he says, okay, here's an easy one. Tell me about the day you were rescued. And Kate's like, I was rescued. Like, what else is there to say? And then later in 95, Kate's smoking pot with Mallory. So they're like best friends now, which is kind of ironic because uh, Mallory used to be Jeanette's best friend. And she's, you know, she's talking, they're talking about how the lawsuit is such BS and all this stuff, whatever. 93, his stepdad, stepsister, and Kate, you know, they're getting ready to go on a hunting trip. Um, mom was like talking to the gardener. So she must be starting her affair or whatever. And so they're all going to go on this big trip or whatever. 95, Mallory's in awe over the dope snacks in Kate's house, you know, after they smoked pot. Then a mom comes in the kitchen and, you know, she's like upset, whatever, because there's a, a note was taped to the door. So it's like on a computer paper and on it, it says liar. So she's like, you know, who could have done that or whatever? So now I think I'm, wonder, I'm wondering who maybe I know. Um, 93, uh, Jamie's on a hunting trip too. There's other kids and family. So it's, it seems like it's, it's the people from the, the country club. And uh, then Kate's mom invited Mr. Harris, the assistant principal. And, you know, Kate like, looks at guys like screwing around or whatever. And then she like looks at Mr. Harris and, and she's like, I don't know, you know, type of thing. So something is like going to be developing there. Not necessarily. I don't know. Something's going to start up. And then uh, 94, Kate walks out of therapy. And she sees Mallory in the waiting room. So this is like before they're friends. And Mallory's like, hey, she's like, I'm here to see Sylvia too. So, you know, your secret is safe with me. 
and then Kate's like, well, yeah, we, you know, she's, cause she's like, I'm Mallory. She's like, yeah, I know you were at my third grade birthday party. She's like, I was, she's like, yeah, there was a the pony. And she's like, oh, she's the only kid in the neighborhood with a pony or whatever. So they're, they're talking. And then she's like, uh, Kate's like, are we even supposed to be talking? You know, she's like, aren't you best friends with Jeanette? And Mallory's like, we're not friends anymore. And then she asks if she can tell Mallory something. She's like, I saw Jeanette kissing Jamie the other day. Mallory's like, what? And she's like, thank you. And she's like, are you going to call her out? And Mallory confesses that, you know, how she used to really dislike Kate. And, but now, you know, they're talking and everything like that. 95, Kate um, tells her mom that it was probably Jeanette who put the note on the door. Mom's like, it's like, well, you know, you need to make sure about this. There could still be a cockroach or two that believes, you know, Jeanette, whatever. So then we see like skeet shooting stuff and, you know, Mallory's, she's like, has, she's like, I'm a pacifist or whatever. And Kate's like, yeah, no more shooting for me either. And mom's like, since when? She's like, now. And they're talking about like, well, we're, you know, we're going to go hunting and catch food. And, and Mallory's like, uh, I'm a vegetarian. And Kate's like, I am too. So Kate's like, really, I don't know if she's just trying to be like Mallory because she's attached to her or whatever. I don't know. 93 on the, the, the trip, they're doing some skeet shooting, whatever. And Kate tells Mr. Harris, she's like, you get used to it, you know, the, the startle part of it. And then she's like, pull, you know, all that stuff. 95, mom says that their lawyer told them that the most uh, startling thing, that any of them could be deposed. So, you know, it's like they have to make sure everyone's going to stick to the story or tell the truth, whatever. I don't know. 93, uh, Harris tells Kate that, um, she's, you know, his comments are just like, oh, you're a really good shot or whatever. 94, Kate wakes up and then I she sees someone. I think it was Harris. It was like at the edge of her bed, but it was you know she was still sleeping, so it was like a dream, whatever. Ninety three, Kate wants to talk to Ash, her stepsister. You know she mentions how she thought Dad was having an affair, and she's like he would never do that. It, it could tarnish his reputation. And she's you know starts going on. She's like you don't understand what it's like because you know you got your white privilege and everything like that. And, you know, and then Ash is like, she makes it clear. She's like, and this, this sister BS, she's like, I'm not into that. And she's like, walks out. So just, she doesn't want anything to do with her. 94, Kate is talking with her therapist. She says, like, in the beginning, you know, they were both learning. Uh, so we see Harris bringing, like, toast down or, like, a sandwich. Or maybe it was a grilled cheese sandwich is probably what it was. And I guess, I thought yeah, because I thought it was, he's like, he's bringing her two pieces of dry toast. That's like, so it was a grilled cheese sandwich. And, you know, he tries to do it, like, while she's sleeping or whatever. He's, he's, like, sneaking down. But she's, like, hiding around a corner. And she, like, tries running up the stairs, but it's locked. And she's, like, just, you know, she's, like, talk to me. Please talk to me. She's, like, why are you doing this? What do you want? He's, like, I want you to eat. And so, you know, he's holding out the plate with the sandwich. And she, like, knocks it out of his hand. And she tries attacking him, everything like that. So then, you know, he, like, shoves her. And so she's and she's talking to her therapist. She's like, he realized that I'd claw him to death if if he let me. She's like, and then things got worse. So ninety four, the police called the mom. So mom and Kate are gonna go to the police station, and they think it has something to do with Jeanette. Like, are they gonna arrest her or whatever? Ninety three on a hunting trip, Kate sneaks out. She goes outside, and Harris is sitting out like on a chair. He's like, hey, what are you doing or whatever? Ninety five, mom. Uh, Kate's mom asked Mallory if she was the one to put up that note. And Kate and Mallory's like, why would I do that? And and her mom thinks that it would, because she, the mom thinks that Mallory wants Kate to be dependent on her. So by stirring things up, that's going to make her, you know, make her afraid or whatever, need her more or something like that. 
and she's like, you know, Kate may trust you, but I don't. And she's like, okay, whatever, you know. So, and and Mallory like doesn't hold back. She's like, okay. Um, Ninety four at police station. The police tell him that they don't have a case against Jeanette Turner. And the mom's angry, and she starts going off. She's like, what kind of rinky-dink operation is this? She's like, does your chief know I'm going to call and everything like that? And Kate's like, well, what about the you know necklace? Is there a finger, any fingerprints? And they're like, the analysis was inconclusive. And then Kate's like, well, how come you know I'm the only one who suffers the consequences for anything? So you're like, what did that mean? Like, what who, con- other consequences? Whatever. 94, Kate walks into a room and catches, like, Ash on a computer or whatever. And she's like, what the hell are you doing? And she's like, nothing, just um, nothing. And Kate's like, oh, so doing nothing is kind of like a strong suit for you. And Kate says, uh, she's like, you know, remember last year's hunting trip? And Ash is like, yeah, you know, I was a crappy sister. And she's like, oh, now we're sisters? And Ash is like, well, I'm trying. Kate says, like, yeah, you know, I was trying for years, and you know, you just left me alone. And Ash apologizes, and Kate's like, well, I wasn't alone for long. So in 93, we see Kate and Harris are sitting outside looking at the stars and stuff like just like talking. And then, you know, he sees that she's cold, so he hands her a shirt. They talk about family, and, you know, because obviously something's bothering her, and he's like, do you want to talk about it? And she's like, well, you know, family business is, isn't supposed to be talked about outside the family. You know, it's not proper or whatever. And he's like, yeah, something, you know, tragic happened in my family when I was like, about your age, and I, I just, like, shoved it away, tucked it away, and didn't really think about it till it just, like, grew and festered or whatever. And then she's like, uh, can I ask what it was? He's like, my dad committed suicide or whatever. And he's like talking and stuff. They, they go on a little more. Then she's like, okay, I'm going to go to sleep. And he's like, okay, good night. Don't let the bed bugs bite. 95, Ash, um, she's like, you know, I had no idea. So I don't know if she told, Kate told Ash that they had this conversation or whatever. And Kate's like, how would you? And Kate's like, you know, we've been in the same house for like 10 years and you're like a ghost Ash is like, you know, that can change. She's like, I, you know, we can talk. I can listen. Kate's like, that's what I have a therapist for. And Ash is like, a therapist isn't a sister. And Kate's like, well, neither are you. So they go, burn. <laughs> Kate um, goes in a chat room and, uh, you know, she's like, is anyone there? So her, her screen name is Traumarama79. So in 93, we see Kate lying on the floor in the basement. So she's in, in at Harris's place. There's like a half-eaten sandwich on the floor. I'm not 100% clear on this, but I get the, the feeling that she was drugged because then Harris is there and he kind of walks by and he's like, this part will be over soon. So I don't know if that means he drugged her in order for, for so he could rape her. I don't, I have no idea. I don't know. We don't know if that's what happens, but why else would he have her locked up? Why did he abduct? I don't know. And that's just pretty creepy and horrible i mean all this is, is bad 93 it's morning on a trip uh you know they're all kind of talking james like where'd you sneak off to last night she's like oh i you know i just went to bed or whatever and then uh they they talk about her sister playing music or whatever then then he's like well i tapped on your window and your bed was empty and she's like oh i went for a walk and he's like oh, in the woods i said i thought you're scared to go in the woods alone and then there's this other lady, Babs, I think was just kind of like looking at Kate as you know she's talking about this. So then um, Kate asked Mallory about Babs Stevenson. You know, she's like, was she looking at me weird or whatever? But I mean, Mallory wasn't there. So I'm not sure she was talking about it at that point. But then Mallory says, she's like, you know, I don't want any secrets. She's like, your mom accused me of sending the letter. And 
and she's like, what? Whatever. And then they see that the, the bunch of parents, you know, they're, they're sitting around in chairs around like a, a fire and, you know, they're talking about like, oh, we should tell ghost stories or whatever. In case like, I have a story to tell. She's like, it's about this girl named Annabelle. She was in the woods alone during a hunting trip. People pretended like, you know, their marriages were perfect, and everything like that. And her mom's like, okay, this is kind of scary whatever. And then, you know, Kate continues she's like, you know, secrets or wild accusations, you know, desperate thirst for gossip. And then she um, stares at, at Babs or whatever. And she's like, this little girl was all alone until she wasn't. There was this man that the adults trusted. So she did true. You know, why wouldn't she trust him? And that trust led to something unspeakable that, you know, that must put blood all over the grown-ups' hands, right? And, you know, they were all responsible for what happened to her. And they better all have their story straight. You know, secrets are scary. Everybody has them. So she's just really putting it all on, on them. And then when she gets that, she's like, you know, I'm going to go to bed. She's like, good night. Don't let the bed bugs bite, which is what Harris said to her. 94, Ash is at the park. Um, DT, what's his name? His first name? So Jeanette's brother comes up. You know, she's on a swing. I, apparently she was the, the classmate from the physics class that called when Jeanette's, uh, she's like, you know, whatever from your physics class called you. And, you know, she's like, oh, I had to come up with something when your, you know, your sister answered. So he asks, um, how is Kate doing? And Ash is like, she hates Jeanette. But then he, he says something like the, you know, the police don't really have anything on her. And he's like, you know, I don't, he's like, I just know Jeanette wouldn't lie about, you know, something so serious. And then he says, you know, they're, they're, they're. Ash is like, you know, I wish I knew Kate like that, but, you know, I just don't. And he's he goes, her brother, Jeanette's brother is like, well, you know, when, when Jeanette was little, she went through this phase where she was like scared of me. So I got this puppet and I would like pop it around corners and do voices like, hey, Jeanette, whatever. And, you know, and she's like, she talked that dumb thing for hours. So he, he jokes, he's like, you know, maybe you should get a, a puppet. And he's like, oh, whatever, you know, it's, it's just a dumb idea. But then she's like thinking about something. So now, you know, at this point, I'm like, did she see the chat room or whatever? Then she's like, have you heard of Berenice the Fourth? Or I think that was it. I think I think she was like Cleopatra's sister, and there's like she was like unknown, and there's all this stuff, whatever. So then on Kate's computer, as she's kind of talking, there's a chime, and we see Berenice four, like number four instead of Roman numeral four replies and asks Trauma Rama 79 if she wants to take it to a private chat. And Kate's like, you're a lifesaver. And then we see Ash is on a laptop, like in the living room. So Ash, I'm not really sure what her motive is. Does she just want to be a good sister? But for some reason, she's she knows that she must have seen that Kate was on this chat room. And so now she's trying to get her to talk to her. So I don't know, does she just want to find out the truth like if kate's like hiding anything or lying about anything or does she just really want to help but this is the only way that she can help her because kate's mad at her so 93 kate wakes up uh she's in a basement and she sees like like a big thing of water there's like supplies like you know feminine products and there's tons of food there's like boxes like a lot of stuff and what i kind of like is a beautiful girl by nxs is playing you know beautiful girl stay with me she want to go home because i apologize for my singing uh, but that's it's like perfect song for this moment uh, and i know that's a creepy song now if you wonder like what what's going on here 95 
<laughs> Valerie asked Kate if she's ever listened to her therapy session tapes. And Mallory's like, she's like, are you ready to revisit it now? And she's like, you know, don't let that, that stupid letter influence you or whatever. And Mallory's like, you know, Sylvia says that listening to your own tapes could be scary. But she's like, no, I got to do this, whatever. So she puts on her headphones and said, you know, she's talking, you know, he came downstairs right before I was rescued. And she's like, something was different. Something was wrong. And that was when I met Annabelle. And then Sylvia's like, well, who was Annabelle? And Kate's like, I don't, I can't remember. <gasps> I don't, I don't know who Annabelle is, but that's what she's using when she told the story. I, was it some sort of coping mechanism? I do, 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 don't know. So I'm, I'm digging the show. So yeah, it's it's good. So it's on Freeform. It's on Hulu the next day on Wednesdays. It's on, new episodes are on Hulu Tuesday on uh, Freeform. So you should definitely check it out. It's it's good stuff. Okay, The Flash season seven episode eight. The Flash is back. The People v Killer Frost. So People versus Killer Frost. So uh, Taylor Frost turned herself in, and uh, so is Kristen Kramer. She's up to something. Like she has this this like metal suitcase, and we don't know what's going on. It's like why does she have it in for Killer Frost? Like what is what is her problem? At Star Labs, they're all talking. So apparently Frost got bail. She's she's there. They're all talking with Cecile, and you know she's saying you know maybe Frost can get eighteen months with parole. And you know, Frost is she just says she's ready to face up to what she's done. This alarm goes off, there's some seismic activity. So Speed Force Nora comes saying that one of the four other forces thing is close. So Barry's hesitant, but I would like, just just go, you know, go go take care of this. And Nora goes with him. So they're they're trying to track down where this activity is. Then they're at Keystone Cares, this nonprofit organization. So I think they were like involved with like building the houses and stuff like that. What we saw a few episodes ago. But there's no sign of the whatever force. Cecile talks to the judge about like all the good that Frost has done. She's like, yeah, she's a flawed person, but who she's changed her ways. Prosecution says that she's a danger to all the citizens of the city. And they believe that she must have her powers erased. So Cecile objects, uh, and they so prosecution wants her to take the Medicare. So um, then they're they're talking about the development, uh, you know, everything happening, whatever. Caitlin comes in. She talked to her mom. So because uh, Frost was born of metahuman DNA, the cure could actually harm her. And then Joe's like wondering, he's like, you know, why would Kramer go so hard just to take down Frost? Like, wh what's going on? Iris is um, still picking up Forza's signal at, at the site. Barry and Nora are walking around. They can't find her. There's like no sign of anything. And Iris doesn't think that the forces are all evil. But Nora's like, no, they're all evil and they're vicious. And so the, the trace leads them to a tent. There's this woman inside, Alexa Rivera. So she's apparently like the field supervisor of you know whatever they're doing there. Caitlin, Cisco, and Allegra, they're planning something. They want to do something. Caitlin distracts uh at their at the police station so caitlin goes up to the desk and like um she says that like when she was arrested that she left that she didn't get a bracelet back or something like that so she's distracting the the, the, the desk clerk or whatever so allegra sneaks in and um she has this device cisco's like he you know he hacks the camera so it's just, it records a loop or whatever and he's she has this device that is going to knock out all the cure samples on site. It's going to like make them inert. But then uh, Kramer walks out of the room and she's like, can I help you? So Allegra is like, 
shot on the spot. She's like, I'm from The Citizen. I'm here for our interview. And uh, so while she's doing this, you know, Caitlin sneaks in, whatever. And Allegra's like, or, you know, she's like, it's just for five minutes. And Kramer's like, no one told me about this. And then uh, she's like, okay, I'll, I'll give you five. So as they're walking out, Allegra's like zaps the lights so that it kind of gets dark a little bit. And then she kind of like tosses the device behind her. Caitlin comes around the other side, which I'm not really sure how she got that side of the hallway, whatever. Must be like a circle or whatever. And she puts it on the door and hits it so the cure has been neutralized. So she has to get out of there. Barry and Nora talk to Alexa and she's like, am I under arrest? And he's like, oh no. He's like, you know, she's like, you know, I, I admit I was an addict, but I got clean and I went to school. You know, I could have become a doctor, but I wanted to help people. Barry's like, it's like, no, it's like, I'm, you know, CSI. I don't arrest people. He's like, we've been scanning the city for new meta and it brought us to you. And, you know, Barry's starting to get through, you know, she's like listening to her, you know, come to, to Star Labs and, you know, we can do a harmless test to see, but then Nora butts in. She's like, tell us the truth. Tell us that, you know, you're the meta monster who killed a man is like trying to kill me. And then Alexa like, gets mad at him. She's like, I'm not a monster, whatever like that. And she like tells him to leave and all this stuff. And so Barry's like upset too. So later Nora's like, she's like, I don't understand why, you know, he's so, so upset. He's like, you know, she's a monster. And he's like, we don't know that, you know, she might be, but now we can't find out. And Nora's like, you know, if she won't come, we'll just make her. And Iris like comes in the room. She's like, what? She's like, what do you mean? Nora's like, we could just move in the blink of an eye and you know, she'd never even know. And Iris like, we don't just grab people. That's not how we work. And Nora's like, well, maybe that should be. And Nora asked Barry, she's like, you have to trust me. And Iris is like, she's like, she's like, it's your choice, Barry. You need to decide what we're going to do. In court, Joe is on the stand. He says that, you know, Frost hasn't always been on the right side of the law, but she has put her life on the line countless times. She fought alongside Earth's greatest heroes, and so they've saved, like, the world and everything like that. And and the judge is like, you know, your, your word goes a long way in this court. She's like, you know, I'm ready to make my ruling, uh, and the prosecution has something to add. So the prosecutor says the metahuman cure has been rendered inert. It's not usable. And the only one with the motive is Killer Frost. So then the judge is like, do you have any evidence? And they're like, we found a hack. Uh, you know, Kramer found it with her military expertise. So then Caitlin stands up. She's like, it was me. So I was acting alone. And the prosecution's like, that's a lie because, you know, of Killer Frost's criminal past. So the judge, you know, calls for order. And the judge asks that, okay, so if the cure isn't an option, you have, you know, something else in mind. And then Kramer hands over the metal briefcase and what was in the briefcase kramer has a, a sample she knew that uh, the threat was so bad so she contacted her someone she knew at argus to make a sample based off of what they had and she's like you know we should have 100 vials by nightfall so the judge is going to retire to her chambers to make her decision frost and kramer kind of like lock eyes and kramer's like this is for your own good and then they when they talk to cecile she's like we just lost so cecile doesn't know how she can save frost Joe still thinks that Kramer's hiding something. Frost just wants to talk to Caitlin alone. And uh, her mom calls. Her. So her mom says that, that Frost will survive the cure. It won't harm her. But Frost is against the cure because she's like, changing me shouldn't be a solution. And Caitlin's like, you know, she's like, I don't want to lose you. She's like, well, Frost says that if she takes the cure, she will lose her. And, you know, she's like, it's not me you're trying to protect. It's yourself. So Flash uh, shows up to talk to Alexa now. And she's like, oh, that CSI guy must have contacted you, huh? And then uh, she shows him uh, a video on a computer, and we see Fuerza. 
So she, she was there. She was so angry when Abracadabra ruined their work site. And she's been having blackouts. And she's waking up in strange places not knowing what she's done. The last time it happened was when that thing attacked. She's like, what if, you know, what if I'm that monster? And, you know, she, she's like, I don't know if I'm strong enough to handle the truth. And Flash, like, he, like, sees all these notes hanging up, like, thanking her. You know, she, all the good does that she does, whatever. Kramer um, walks to see Joe. And because uh, she's like, hey, Joe, or detective, whatever. But Frost is in a room. She says that Joe arranged for this meeting, whatever. Kramer's like, so you and Captain West seem awfully close. And Frost jokes, says, like, yeah, we're po poker buddies. So Kramer's like, well, what do you want? And she's like, I want to know why you hate me. She's like, did I hurt someone that you love or you care about? And she's like, or Kramer's like, you know, you only turn yourself in when you're surrounded by my officers. She's like, that's not doing the right thing. That's getting caught. And Frost is like, you know, I don't deserve the cure being forced on me. And Kramer said, you know, this is about what the people like you have done. And Frost is like, oh, so you hate all metas. And Kramer's like, no, I only hate the ones pretending to be heroes. It's like, I lost an entire platoon following a meta pretending to be a hero into a hot zone. You know, 20 soldiers lost their lives, and it was my fault. So she's like, you know, she's like, your verdict will set precedence. And Kramer's like, you know, there's nothing you can do to stop this. In the end, you know, justice always wins. So basically, Kramer's idea is like, if they can force Frost to take the cure, then that's their solution now. So anytime a meta does something bad, it's like, okay, you did something bad, you're you're gonna get the cure. At Star Labs, Caitlin's talking to Frost and Caitlin's shocked about Kramer's precedence plan or whatever. Caitlin's like, you know, I, I think I just figured it out what we could do or whatever. So Alexa arrives at Star Labs, Nora apologizes for you know being so harsh or whatever. In court, Judge allows Frost to make a statement before her verdict. She says, you know, taking away a power from a meta isn't the same as taking a criminal's gun. She's like, you know, but she's like, I get it. You fear us because we're different, but different can't be cured. You know, we're here to stay. So she's like, I've changed. I've learned that I'm my best self when I'm protecting others. So she's like, so I'm submitting a request for life in prison without parole. And Kramer stands up. She tells the uh, judge that prison time is not the punishment the state is requesting. So Cecile corrects her. She's like, wait, you know, your only goal was protecting the citizens from frost. And the judge asks Kramer to sit down since she isn't part of, of the council, whatever. And she asks Frost if she's aware of what she's proposing. And then she's like, yeah. So she sentences Frost to life in prison without the possibility of parole, which is so dumb because... The crimes that Frost did, she didn't kill anyone. You know, she was like abducted and whatever. <sighs> so I don't know. I, I just wonder like what would her verdict have been before? So in Joe's office, Kramer comes in and she's like, okay, hey, I'm all packed up. I just want to say goodbye. So he's like, okay, good luck. So she's about to leave, but then she closes the door. She's like, I know we've had our differences. And like after today, you know, I, I just wanted to say that despite everything, you have my respect. And he's like, you know, the, the feeling's mutual. He's like, I sometimes despise your method, but I know a good cop when I see one. Caitlin comes home to her apartment. She's, you know, they're alone now. She's looking at the, like, the big garbage art thing that Frost put up. And we see back at the court in, um, before, before Frost is taken away in cuffs. Caitlin hugs her, which I don't think they would let, let her do that. There's this one uh, meta dude that I forgot who this guy is. We've seen him before where like half his head is shaved and like one of his eyes like kind of like white or whatever. 
um, I don't remember what his name was. He's like, every meta in town will know what you did for us. So, um, but it's like when he watches, it's kind of crappy that Barry and Iris weren't there for any of the court hearings and maybe it just happened so fast and they're just dealing with Alexa. But so Alexa's getting a test uh, they're looking at isotopic energy, isotopic waves and all this stuff, whatever. She's scared of changing and hurting someone. And he's like, you know, we're only going to triggering what might be inside you at a microscopic level. And it's like, why are Barry and Iris the ones doing this test? It's like, shouldn't like Cisco or Caitlin, you know, whatever. It's like, they're suddenly experts on isotopic energy, whatever. So Barry's, uh, his device starts to beep. The room is like shaking a little bit. Alexa sits up and then her face is like kind of blue. Um, her eyes are blue and her face is blue. And then Barry hits like deactivate on control. She's like freaking out, but Barry's like, you're safe. You're, you know, you're safe here. And, you know, he's like, you know, we'll, we'll help you through this. And he's like, I promise. And then Nora blasts her. And she's like, you still don't get it. If, if I don't end her now, she'll sacrifice me in my life. And Barry's like, you're scared. He's like, but we can help her. Nora's like, you should be helping me. And Iris, you know, she's, she's talking about Iris. She's like, you know, Iris is there. She's like, Iris might be your lightning rod, but I'm your lightning. So then she shoots at Iris. And then Barry you know, runs, jumps up, and throws like a counter blast at the the blast that Nora sent and then Nora's moving now even faster than Barry so Barry's like still in the air like diving in front of of Iris Nora walks up and like the the two powers mix kind of made this sphere and she's like thank you and you know so Barry's still like in the air she takes this energy sphere she throws it at Alexa and you know Alexa goes flying and then um Iris goes to her and when things go back, she goes to Alexa and she like shakes her head. And Nora says, it's time to choose a side, Barry. So basically Nora killed Alexa, even though she hadn't done anything wrong because she's just worried about herself. So uh, what's up, Speed Force Nora? You're acting a little, little intense here. So there you go. So uh, this was a good episode. And what I realized that there wasn't a lot of like the jokey jokes, like the sometimes the jokes are just too too much, too forced. So this was, I mean, it was a serious episode. So uh, I don't like the idea of Frost going away. So they, they got to figure out some way around this. So I don't know. And that's going to be the episode of The Flash for this week. Okay, now DC's Legends of Tomorrow, season six, episode one, Ground Control to Sarah Lance. Uh, I don't know how, I mean, I, I want to like the show and it's a fine show. Uh, it's, it's quirky. So I, I like that, you know, they, they kind of do their own thing last year. You know, they weren't even involved in crisis on, on infinite earth. They, they set the, 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 the crossover out whatever it's an interesting show. It's, but there, there are some issues that I have with it. And sometimes it's a little too goofy and I, I don't know. So we'll try um, discussing it, you know, each, each week. We'll see how, how it goes. Um, it, I don't know if, if it's something you want to hear, if you're curious or if you're watching or don't want to watch or don't want to hear. I don't know. So we'll, we'll see what happens. So if you haven't been watching, there's been some changes in the cast, depending on if you've ever watched at all. So I don't want to I don't want to do like a recap on what's been going on, but um, I'll try to bring up some stuff as, as they come along. So it starts off, it picks up kind of like from where last season um, ended, where Charlie, one of the 
<laughs> the legends is in his punk band. So in his seventies, you know, they went to a show, whatever. But then what happens is Sarah gets abducted by a UFO. I, I think, I think that happened in the last episode where she just, just gets beamed up. I, I don't remember if they showed that last episode or was this episode. So it's in London, 1977, uh, wave riders, like a mess. There's garbage everywhere. There's like spray paint. There's like a bong. There's passed out punks. Uh, and then, uh, so it's a uh, Rory's like walking around. He finds Ava passed out by the toilet, and you know then she wonders why she wasn't tucked in last night. And she asks Gideon because so Ava and Sarah Lance White Canary are an item or couple, and so she asks Ava asks Gideon where Sarah, and so Sarah's not on the wave rider. So that's why she didn't take her tuck her in the bed basically. So Constantine wakes up, and uh, and I wasn't sure if he's in his his. Mm, if was he in the wave rider? Because he's like in a regular room, it looks like. Because he opens the curtains. He's like marveling at the view of London, whatever. So he's he's with Zari. And there's kind of like two versions of Zari now from the two like merged timelines. But I, I they were separated. I don't know if they're still separated or not. Or if they kind of flip back and forth. Because she did something to use her powers. Anyways, there, Constantine is with um, kind of like a flaky social media zari and uh you know he's in a good mood he has his soul back that's a long story that's what happened stuff before and then then uh, ava and mick come into the room so it's like are they on the wave rider or do they just come there which you know you can kind of go wherever they're looking for sarah then they find astra then they go out and they find berard um berard is uh zari's brother who was dead before but last season he came back when the timeline was changed or something like that so then uh, he's like, well, you know, maybe she's with Nate because, uh, you know, he went back to the club with David Bowie. So at the club, he's singing about a space girl who got sucked up by a spaceship and everything. And and they're very rude to David Bowie, which I didn't like that. But then it was like, wait, are you singing about Sarah or whatever? And then he recorded on Super 8. So um, Astra zaps his memory away. You know, they got like men in black things or whatever. And then they're watching his footage. So it's a video from... Charlie's band show, and then they see, or, or during the show, Sarah sees David Bowie, and she's like, "Hey, what? You're David Bowie? What?" She's like, "This is best night." She's like, "I'm going to propose to my girlfriend." She she has a ring, and then you see later she gets abducted. So everyone's like, "Oh crap!" She was about to propose to Ava, and Ava's like, "There, you know, she sees it." So Sarah wakes up. She's like in this little room, like oh, something like like a closet, and it is some like smoke or noxious fume is like starting to come up from the the bottom. She hits a, like a control thing and it, it opens easily, you know, it just opens right up for her when she puts her hand on the, the scanner thing. And she has no idea where she's at. There's like no sign of anyone, no one on, on board this, this whatever ship. We know she's on a ship. Then there's like a viewport, whatever, and you see Earth outside. So Ava says that she's like, I know where they're going. Um, so she hands out binders to everyone. It's like says Sarah Lance on the cover or whatever. And she has this like checklist. So her checklist is like step one or whatever, hand out binders. And John's like, okay, whatever. He's like, you know, I have a connection with Sarah. He's like, I'm just going to go do a spell and, you know, try to locate her and stuff like that. And he leaves. So then she ch- checks off something else. Che- uh, step two or whatever item two was have John use magic. And then, um, Zari, she's like, well, I should probably go with them because, you know, whatever else like that. She leaves. Ava checks off the third one. Let any romances run their course. And then step four, or then Astra says something. Step four is like, what's Astra's deal? 
And then um, step five is even bad leads could prove useful. Step six is let Rory drink because he's like, he says he's, he's like, this isn't going to work because Sarah's not here to lead us or whatever. So he's got all this stuff, and Nate's kind of looking over. He's like, oh, he looks like you have things <laughs> kind of mapped out or whatever. Sarah's, like, walking around the ship, and then she comes across this other, like, closet thing. She opens it up, and this big, like, muscle dude comes out, and it's, it's Spartacus. So it's like, okay. Uh, John tries using doing, like, a magic spell to find her. Zari and Astra kind of get on his case because, you know, he says he can't find her. You know, he's like, oh, I overpromised whatever. And he's like, you know, aliens aren't my thing. So they, um, Ava and Nate, I think, try going to the, the DEO, their um, headquarters, whatever. But it's in ruins because there's like a 2020 attack or something like that. Gideon says that there wasn't, an, um, there was not an alien spacecraft in London, 1977. But Berard come out, comes in with a tabloid about this spaceship girl that she was abducted and they implanted something in her head and she can communicate with aliens. But they're like, okay, so he's he's been like stoned the whole time or whatever, and you know they, they they're commenting and just how he reeks of it or whatever, and getting like a contact high from him, and you know he's got this tabloid, so he wants to track down. He's like, and Gideon's found this girl, so she's older now, so they they he wants to like track her down so they can get her to talk to the aliens or something like that. And on the ship, Spartacus wants to free others in the prison things to form an army. And because, you know, he says that he's let like all these men were for he opens a random one and Sarah's like, no, don't do that. And it's like this big alien. So it's they have to start fighting. But Sarah, she, you know, she has finds this pipe or whatever. So she's fighting it while uh, Spartacus is just watching. And she ends up defeating it. And he says that he was just letting it tire itself out. And he's like, oh, if it would have killed you, I, I would have avenged your death. And then she like knocks his feet out, knocks him down. And this part, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but she's like, being an Avenger is, is stupid. The goal is to prevent death. I'm a preventer. So is that supposed to be a dig at Marvel saying being an Avenger is stupid? I mean, I really hope not because the success and you got to admit the quality of anything Avengers is way more than the success or quality of DC's Legends of Tomorrow or anything CW. So hopefully not. Anyways, Rory and Brad are trying to get to find a girl. She's not a girl. I mean, she's older now. Uh, Sarah and Spartacus, they find some aliens at the controls, whatever. And she wants to fight like from the shadows, like you stealth to go up to him. And he's like, what? He's like, he doesn't like that. So he just like charges in and then he gets impaled. One of like a tentacle thing, like comes out of his back or its side and just like, like jabs him and kind of lifts him up. And then it like pulls him and then it kind of like opens up and just like swallows him up. Astra uh, mentions like, you know, she's like, there's this alien expert guy, Alistair Crowley. And Constantine's like, oh, he's like that Alistair. Whatever. So apparently he knows him. He's just like scoffed at the idea of getting, you know, any help from him. Sarah threatens an alien and then um, it's like because she, she finds one alone and, and it's trying to talk, but she can't they can't communicate, whatever. But it motions that it wants to grab something. So it reaches in, puts on some glasses, changes into Gary. So Gary's like the annoying uh, bureaucrat Thai guy. And uh, he's like, he's like, don't be mad. So Gary was an alien. Rory and Berard go into a house. You know, there's like this fence is like, do not enter. And, you know, Rory breaks the fence down. There's like cameras and stuff like that. They So they go into this one room and there's a bunch of TVs in there. 
And then uh, they get shot from behind by this lady with trinks. And she straps them down onto tables. Constantine, Zari, and Astro return to the Wave Rider. They found like a giant crystalis or whatever. So they're like, Gary's an alien. And they also found some glasses. And then Ava's like, okay, yeah, whatever. You know, yeah, he's an alien, sure. Uh-huh. But then Zari puts the glasses on and she turns into Gary. And you're, <gasps> so I guess he's been an alien this whole time? Gary says that he was sent to Earth to kidnap, kidnap the quintessential or something like that. Um, I don't know if it was supposed to be Sarah or whatever. But then he says he like fell in love with her and all humans. So that's why he wants to help humans because he just thinks they're neat or I don't know. Rory and Brad, Brad wake up. Um, Brad tells her, her that they want to get her to use a communicator in her head to find her friend. Then, you know, she kind of hears him. She she ends up finding Berard's calm, and she, like, pulls it out of his ear and everything. And then you then she, like, does something to it. Gerard says, uh, or uh, Gerard, Berard, Gideon has found her location. And then you can hear Ava. She's like, we're going to take the ship there. And then uh, she's like, ship? So she thinks that this is an alien communicating because she thinks they're aliens or whatever. So she takes out this big gun. And uh, the wave rider's outside. She's standing outside with a gun. They're looking at her like, what is she going to do with that? She shoots at the ship and actually like penetrates the wave rider. So I don't know where she got this gun from. It was kind of crazy. Ava opens like a portal and whatever thing and like comes right in front of her, asks her to stop shooting her ship. And she's like, we're not aliens. You know, we're time travelers. And she tells her, she's like, the woman that I love was abducted by aliens. And, you know, she was about to propose. She's like, you know, will you help us? She's like, I'll do anything, you know. And the girl, she's like, that's exactly what an alien would say. And, you know, she raises her gun. She's like about to shoot Ava. But then Rory shoots her from behind with a trink gun. Sarah and Gary are making plans. You know, they want to steal the ship and open a wormhole to go, like, back to Earth. Um so he's about to go, like, distract the alien or something like that. And Sarah has to remind him to take off his glasses or whatever. Sarah tries uh, opening the door, like this hangar door, by throwing a metal pipe. But the, an alien, I don't know if they all have tentacles, grabs it, and then she has to fight it. She ends up getting, like, thrown into one of the prison box things. And she did. now it won't open for her because Gary rigged it so she could open it, I guess. And gas is starting to come in there. The alien girl wakes up on a wave rider and then she's like, she doesn't know where she's at. She's ready to fight them. And, you know, she says that even if she wanted to help, the thing in her head is like an antenna. So if she uses it, the aliens that put it in there would be able to find her. They're like, well, you know, we can help you remove it. Um, They tell her that they need her to contact Gary, Gary Green. So Constantine made a potion and the only... He's had to make a potion of something that belonged to Gary so she could try to track or whatever. The only thing that they had was a chrysalis, so it's kind of gross. So it's like this green liquid stuff. She drinks it, and she's like, oh, kind of tangy or whatever. So she uh, she drinks it. Ava, there's like this symbol thing on the floor. So Ava goes in there while they, they try opening some connection, and she's able to talk to Sarah. And then you know it's like kind of fuzzy and everything like that. And she's like, yes. She's like, when you come home, I'll marry you. But the... So John, it's like almost like this is killing him, like trying to keep this connection portal thing open. So Zari has to like push him over to, to get him to stop because he wasn't going to. So Sarah's still in her little closet prison thing, and she's like starting to freeze over. And she puts on an engagement ring that she had in her pocket, and then she like carves an X in the door, and she like punches it, and it like shatters. And so she's like outside, and then that alien she just fought was out there. So now it's time for round two. The wormhole opens, and Sarah manages to open the hangar door. 
So the alien uses its uh, like tentacle that like hang on has like more than one tentacle. So it's like hanging on the edge. So then she starts like hitting switches and stuff like that. And you know she's like getting sucked out into space as well. So you know she's like hanging on, and the other pod cells are like go flying out, knock the alien out the door, and goes outside, and she shuts the door. So it's just like. Ugh. I mean, I mean, how could she breathe and whatever? It just just seemed a little, little cheesy here. Zari's uh, she's sitting by John's side when when he wakes up and you know she's on her phone and she made him a smoothie because Gideon said he'd be dehydrated. And um, then she tells him she's like, "Let me know when you get your strength back." Wink, wink. And she leaves the room. Astra walks right in. She's like, and he's like, "It's a fling." She's like, "Uh huh." She's like, "I can tell when someone's bluffing." And, you know, Astra says, or because she says something like, she has you on a cleanse diet now or something like that. And so he, like, pours some booze in his green liquid stuff. So Astra said, you know, now that she's mortal, uh, she wants to see what it's like to be normal. And then, you know, she's like, maybe I'll fall in love with the world like all of you are. So Berard uh, asked the girl, I forget her name, uh, asked her if she wants to stay around. And she says that she just wants this thing out of her head so she can live a normal life. Gideon does a scan and, and says, there's nothing out of the ordinary. And they're like, are you sure? She's like, well, you know, we could take her brain out. I can do a full autopsy or whatever. But then she's, she's like, oh, you're going to kill me? Or, then uh, she says that she can hear something. So out in the temporal zone, we see there's a bunch of pods floating. And Ava's is happy because she's like, the only person who could create this much mayhem is Sarah. And then on the ship, uh, Sarah and Gary, they're trying to reach the wormhole. They're flying towards it. And I don't know. I guess they, they're going as fast as they can or I don't know. But then the wormhole closes before they can get through. And then the ship's just left kind of like spinning. So that's where that episode ends. So it was fine. You know, I I, I feel like I, I sort of have an attachment to the characters just, you know, watching it after, you know, for five seasons. But. I, I wasn't completely blown away. I'm happy it's back. So we'll see. Maybe, hopefully things will be good this season. All right, Star Wars The Bad Batch. It turns out <laughs> there are two episodes this last week. Uh, I mean, first of all, so I'm watching the first episode. So first episode came out on, on May the 4th, the Be With You day. And... It was an hour and 15 minutes. I'm like, holy crap. This, wait, this is supposed to be like a regular series, and it's it's 75 minutes, and that's nuts. And then, as I'm I'm just... Friday, and the second episode came out. I'm like, are you serious? Just two episodes. First episode was so long, because I'm going to talk about it, and I'm talking so long right now before I even get into it. <laughs> so, but, uh, what is the Star What is the Bad Batch? So, in case you haven't been watching Star Wars, which I, I don't know what to say about that. But during the Clone Wars, we saw we were introduced to this uh, special group of, of clones, uh, Clone Force ninety nine. They were enhanced clones, and they have different abilities. So you know, we, we see ones like Rucker is kind of strong. Hunter, Hunter, he's just like all around a badass. I, I think that. I mean, that's kind of why he's a leader. Then there's Tech, who's obviously into tech. Uh, there's a crosshairs like the sniper expert, and then there's a Echo who Echo's got a longer story and will was taken and what. Anyways, so we have these clones, and this takes place after Revenge of the Sith. So it's after well, like it's kind of during Order sixty six, which means we have to watch that again. So let's just get started with this. 
And it's branching off from the Clone Wars CG animated show into its own show, which is pretty... At first, I was just like, really? But then I'm 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 digging it the more I, I watch it. I mean, it's like when we were first introduced to him, I'm like, okay, this this is weird. This could be kind of interesting. And as we saw that that story arc play out, I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. And we have more and more of that. So it starts off. Uh, what, what, what's interesting at the, the very beginning, we see the the red uh, Clone Wars logo from like the end of the Clone Wars series. It kind of like burns in flames to reveal Star Wars the Bad Batch logo. Then we get the the narrator, the Clone Wars narrator, talking, giving a re- recap of everything. So that was a nice nice touch with that. There's no narrator in Episode Two, and it kind of, it wouldn't make sense to have the narrator because the narrator was always telling us like what's going on in the war and in, in the Clone Wars or whatever, and it, it gave it like that old timey news whatever feel. So it wouldn't really make sense now, even though that's it's a, it's unfortunate, but we we get that. Uh, we see like you know the fight against Grievous, other Jedi. Um, then there's a uh, Dep- Depa Bilaba fighting separatist droids, waiting for a reinforcement. Her Padawan Caleb Doom, who you may may or may not know who Caleb Doom is. Caleb Doom is is Kanan Jarrus from uh, Star Wars Rebels. So this is when Caleb was a, a Padawan. Now disclaimer here: Caleb had his own comic series, and I thought it was okay. But there's some little discrepancies, little changes. Like I think in the comic, it w- he wasn't on a snowy planet or something like that. So there, there's some differences, but well, that's how it goes. You know, it, it's told in a flashback, so sometimes memory can be fuzzy. Whatever. So uh, Caleb comes and says the reinforcements are coming, and they're like, "How many?" And he's like, five. So oh, and is he? Caleb is voiced by Freddie Prince Jr. again, even though he's a little kid here. So there's five clones, but these clones are different. So we see the Bad Batch, Clone Force ninety nine. They come, they're doing their their thing. They take out the droid army in like glorious fashion, whatever. So then, um, Bilaba is like they they tell Bilaba that, that she or they should order a counterattack because another battalion is probably on the way. And then Caleb asks if he can go with them to you know as they do what what they do best or whatever. And so um, Balaba's like, sure. So, you know, they're going off to secure another place. And then Balaba hears like a hologram activate, like behind her. And it's like, execute order 666. And then uh, the clone troopers, her whatever battalion, start shooting at her. So these are the clone, uh, you know, clone armies that she's been working, you know, fighting alongside for some time. And then Caleb, you know, he's he's a little ways off, but he's not that far. And he sees that he starts running back. So Balaba tells Caleb to run, and then he comes up to the Bad Batch, and he's like, "Stay away from from me, whatever," because he assumes that they're clones and that they're all, you know, well they are clones, so they're all turning on him. So he, he like runs off in another direction, and then, you know, uh, text like com chatter says, you know, escort execute order 66 and they don't even know what that means so they decide to go after caleb but crosshair wants to follow the orders and shoot him so this is gonna be like the beginning of some like tension between the bad batch so tech tells hunter that the order 66 is to kill all jedi and crosshair tries shooting at caleb again then caleb turns on his lightsaber he kicks crosshair and knocks him out Hunter tries uh, calming Caleb down. He's like, you know, we're on your side or whatever. Caleb runs. And, you know, Hunter takes off his, his helmet. And he tells him, he's like, just hear me out. 
And he's like, I'm just as confused as you are. Crosshair wakes up and, you know, Hunter's offering, you know, to help Caleb and everything like that. Caleb's like standing like with his back to the edge of a cliff or whatever. And, you know, then he does this huge leap to the other side and he runs. Crosshair walks up. He's like, where's the Jedi? And then Hunter lies. He lies to Crosshair and he says that he stunned him when he jumped and he didn't make it. And then he just like walks off and Crosshair is just like standing there, like looking around like you, you can tell he doesn't believe it in the ship. They're going back to Camino and Crosshair asks um, again. He's like, are you sure you kill that Jedi? And then, you know, they land their shock troopers there. They're like, why are there shock troopers? You know, there's a different type of clone troopers there. And there's Coruscant guards and records. He's like, what do we miss? Whatever. So they tell him it's like the end of the war. General Grievous has been defeated. And, you know, there's like a body being taken under sheet and the, from the body, like a lightsaber falls. And there's like looking at it, like the shock troopers were just pick up the lightsaber and just kind of go. So they go to their, their quarters and Hunter notices that he, you know, like all the troopers were acting strange. It's like, you know, what's going on? Crosshair tells the others that Hunter let the Jedi kid escaped. You know, he's like, or do you want to keep lying to them? And then Crosshair brings up, you know, following orders. And then before they can really get into it, you know, there's, orders are on the PA for everyone to meet in the, like this big room, whatever. So Palpatine's on a big holo saying that the Jedi rebellion has been foiled. <laughs> I, I should probably stop that song. And, you know, he's, he's saying that all the remaining Jedi will be hunted down and defeated. Their attack left him scarred and deformed. And he, he mentions a galactic empire and text brings up his theory that the regs are all programmed, you know, because they're all like buying into this, whatever. Then um, they, they note that there's this female child, and they're like, who's that? Whatever. It's a female child of unknown origin following them, because Hunter's like, who's that? Or whatever. And so then she says her name's Omega. She knows who they are. A Kaminoan? I forgot how they said it. Kaminoan? I always thought it would be Kaminoan. Kaminoan? I could sit here like for like 10 minutes, probably just saying the same thing over and over again. So a, a person from Camino, Camino, <laughs> it's never ending, says that uh, Omega's a medical assistant. And then Hunter's like, this day keeps getting weirder and weirder. So then, <laughs> weirder, weirder. Oh, man. It's, it's okay, here's full disclosure. I'm actually, I had to like pause or we're recording so you might maybe you noticed the audio might be a tiny bit different i'm recording this later like really later so than the normal so so hopefully the rest of this podcast will make sense so admiral tarkin arrives on camino camino and he's he's like talking to like the those in charge we wants to cease production of the, of the clones their contract was with the republic and republic no longer exists in the mess hall, Omega sits next to them, and Hunter asks what she's doing on Camino. It's like, does she have parents? And then some regs, uh, I guess that's what they call the other clones, walk by and make a comment. It's like, oh, the freaks have a new member. And as they walk by, then Omega throws some food at his back. And Wreckers, like, he joins in because, you know, he's looking for fight. And it ends up being a big fight. And, all, you know, just clones t- attacking, you know, heading each other with their trays, metal trays and stuff like that. And from, like, up above, there's, like, you know, a walkway with, like, glass. Tarkin's watching the whole thing because he wants to assess the clones to see do they still want to use them in the Empire or whatever. And then Echo sees that Tarkin is, is up there watching and gets knocked out. So then later, Echo tells the other that it's Tarkin doing the evaluations, and he's not a big supporter of the clones. 
so they think that he's gonna um, cause them some, you know, put them, get them in trouble, whatever. So Tarkin wants to see more of them in action. You, you know, calls for like a battle simulation. Then uh, they're doing pretty well. Tarkin uh, tells the, the Kaminoan, Kaminoan, to uh, switch the simulation to live rounds. And they're like, well, it could destroy our, our, our facilities. He's like, whatever, do it. He doesn't talk like that. That's Emperor. So then uh, they're getting pinned down, and then they start turning things around. There's a little minor, you know, they, they get shot a little bit, but they're wearing armor, which doesn't really do anything, but there seems to be a little different. So Tarkin wants to know more about Clone Force 99. How many, clone, and how many enhanced clones do they have? So there's only five. So they have, there's some problems with disobedience, but they get the job done. He wonders about the Jedi and the Padawan or whatever, because a counter report from one of their own says a Padawan got away, and he wants to know where their true loyalty lies. So Tarkin has a mission for them. There's some Separatist insurgents, and uh, so Tech wants to try to hack into the Imperial records to find out more, like what, what really is going on. Omega talks to Hunter about what she overheard about Tarkin, that he hates clones, but they already kind of knew that. Omega wants to go with, but Hunter's like confused about Omega. He's like, well, you're a kid, you know, you're, you're a medical assistant, whatever. But he's like, there's something about her. And so they land on the planet. They, they you know, work their way to the Separatist camp. And they, they're looking at them through like thermal binoculars, whatever. And they're like, there aren't any droids here because there's like humans. And there's like children there. So Crosshair, he's he just wants to start shooting, and he's like, just give the order. And Hunter tells him to stand down. Soon they end up getting surrounded. So Hunter suggests that they, you know, lower their weapons and hear them out. So Echoes says that they're not separatist or republic fighters. And Tech asks, why would Tarkin send them after their own? So this dude comes up and says, because they refuse to fight for the Empire. This dude is Saw Guerrera from the clone. Clone War series and from uh, Rogue One. But then the other weird thing, there was also a blue Twi'lek there. So is that Aayla Sakura? I mean, it can't be because she was... We see her in Revenge of the Sith where I'm pretty sure we see her get shot. We see her like surrounded by clones during Order 66. But could she have survived somehow? I mean, how many blue... We, I mean, well, I'm sure there's a whole galaxy of them. I mean, I need to go back and watch that again because it's like, was she dressed the same? Did she have that like that bare midriff outfit that didn't seem too common in the Star Wars galaxy? Although Padme, I guess, sort of wore one wonder, but her shirt was ripped, so it's not wasn't intentional. So I don't know if that it, it that'd be cool if it was, but I'm sure it wasn't. Uh, there, I always wanted to know more because there's like some comics with her. Anyways, I digress. Um, surprise, surprise with that. So they start talking about like the state of things and the people who are there are villagers who got displaced by Palpatine. Guerrera tells them that, you know, times have changed. They have to adapt and everything. And the basically the choice is theirs. He's, you know, he's talking to the, the Bad Batch to, and he, he gives Hunter's gun back and they leave. So then, uh, the Clone Force 99 Bad Batch, they go the other way. Problem is there's a probe droid watching them. So then Crosshair complains that they didn't complete their mission. And Hunter's like, he's like, what's wrong with you? And Crosshair says that he's following orders. And, and then he's like, starts going on, Hunter isn't fit to lead the team. And he picks up his gun and, and he shoots. Hunter picks up his gun and shoots right over Crosshair's shoulder. He shot the probe droid. 
So Tarkin was following them. Why would Tarkin be following them? Well, maybe he's just checking them out, like watching one to see what they would do. But they figure it's not safe to return to Kamino since uh, that's what Omega said. And Tex said that Omega's insight isn't to be ignored. And it was said that there was five enhanced clones, but Echo is a reg. So Echo is an enhanced clone. So that was the whole thing where they had ended up rescuing Echo and dealing, having him to fight. Because you know, he, whatever. It's watch the the episode. I'm not going to go into it. It's too too hard for me to explain because I can't explain anything. So the, the 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 fifth. Who's the fifth clone? The fifth clone's got to be Omega. Uh, Tech apparently analyzed her DNA when they were in an infirmary, and so now Hunter wants to go after her. Crosshair's. Like he says that disobeying orders is bad form or something like that. But Hunter's like, she's one of the, one of us, and he's not leaving her there. So on Camino, Omega goes into their, their room, their quarters, and you know it's, it's a mess, and she's just like looking at everything, sees this like, kind of like this stuff, not a teddy bear, but like some stuff, something. Then the shock troopers come. They're like, what are you doing here? You're not authorized to be in here. And she's like, oh, I got lost, whatever. And then, uh, so she kind of like exits, and then the, the one trooper tells the others to uh, pack up the stuff and take it to the hangar. And then they grab Omega. So her, her droid says, like, oh, you know, they're medical personnel. And, you know, you, you can't treat us like that. But then the shock trooper shoots the droid. So uh, the Bad Batch prepares to land on Kamino. And their plan is to split up. They want to find Omega, meet back at the ship. But inside, troopers are waiting for them. They they get surrounded. Tarkin's there. He said that they were conspiring with Saw Gerrera. And they're going to be charged with treason. So they're, they get stripped of their armor, so they're wearing like the, the black like jumpsuits, whatever, and uh, onesies. <laughs> so they're putting to like a holding cell, and Omega's in there. Hunter asks if she wants to go with them, and Crosshair sarcastically says, "How touching!" So he tells the others that you know they're locked up because of him. Good soldiers follow orders, which is this is really bad. So he's like first a Padawan, then Guerrera. So he's like Hunter's becoming a liability. Omega talks across crosshair. She says that she knows what he's going to do, and she's like, "It's not your fault." So it's like, "What is that about?" And then uh, the troops they take crosshair out. They take him to a medical room or something like that, and because uh, they said something, his genetic mutation has been altered or has altered much of his cranial activity, and it's it's like, this includes its inhibitor chip or whatever. So the chip's not as active, so it's not working. And Tarkin's like, can the program be intensified? And they're like, yes. So they want to crank things up. Uh, so the others are in the, like, the prison thing. But Tech's like, we're not in a prison. He's like, there weren't any prisons built on Camino, So they were kind of like, after, were, after the fact, they were kind of retrofitted and adjusted. So the one that they're in probably isn't, um, they didn't really think about keeping people like Wrecker with his like extra strength locked up. So uh, Tech says if, if he punched the right section, they could probably get free. So he, they're like, well, he's like, well, tell me where to punch. So he tells them, he's like, punch right here. So there's like, he punches, a, a, <laughs> he punches, and then it makes a noise, and then they had like sit back, and because there's like you know troopers outside, it's just like the the cell has a, like a laser barrier, you know, there's not bars or anything like that, but so you can see everything inside it. So he has to do it a couple times. And then they make a small opening, but it's like a it's to a vent, but it's it's too small. Although a a kid could probably fit in there, Omega. So they tell Omega to head to the control and hit the lever or whatever to open the, the the prison. She ends up she's like right above the vent, 
And they're like, where, where's the kid at? They're like, what are you talking about? Whatever. And and then um, the vent ends up falling like in the trooper. She hits the switch. They escape. So now they need to find Crosshair, which is that a good idea? Um, Omega tells them that they started moving their stuff to the hangar. So maybe their gear is there too. Um, six troopers come, come in with Crosshair behind him. He's all locked and loaded. He has his gun. Hunter stands to talk to him. Crosshair is like, you know, it's best if you stand down. And, you know, they should have killed a Jedi. He disobeyed orders. Big stare down between them. And then Crosshair fires. So there's a big shootout. Wrecker gets shot by Crosshair, but like in the shoulder or something like that. And again, does he have the armor now? I don't remember. Um, Tech got to the ship. Hunter and Echo go for Wrecker, but Crosshair is getting ready to shoot. And then his gun gets shot out of his hands by Omega. Omega shot. Omega, the little kid, manages to shoot the gun out of Crosshair's hands. So they get away from there. A couple of Kaminoans, Kaminoans talk. So apparently the inhibitor chip worked, obviously, because Crosshair is a big jerk now. And uh, one of the Kaminoans is uh, the prime minister. And he says that until the Empire's attentions are clear, not to say anything to like Tarkin or, or anyone. On the ship, Omega's... Um, you know, getting, you know, settled in or whatever, looking around. Uh, the, the stuffy thing was Rutgers. He's like, oh, you found my whatever. And then she looks out the window and Hunter's like, is this your first time in space? She's like, it's the first time anywhere. And then he asked her, he's like, how'd you learn to shoot so well? She's like, it was my first time shooting a blaster. And she's like, I, I guess I just got lucky. So then like, what's the plan? Hunter thought that they could go off on their own and lay low, but with Crosshair gunning for them, he's not so sure. Then Omega asks, he's like, well, what about your friends? And Tech's like, well, that'd be a short list. Hunter's like, well, I can think of one. He's like, plot a course for J-19. He's like, I know a guy. And then they, he's like, okay. He tells like Omega, he's like, get ready for this. Jump to light speed. And her eyes are like, woo. So that's the first episode. <laughs> and exercise the two and a half times the episode. Where episode two cut and run episode one or two whatever you want to call it so again there's no narrator for this one the ship's in hyperspace omega finally fell asleep you know she was like all over the ship because curiosity just like excited and everything hunter asked tech you know what are you going to do with her because she's just a child they arrive on a planet and um when omega comes out first it's like really bright and you know it's so it's like seeing the sun is new for her because on camino if you remember in attack of the clones it's like all rainy all water all the time and then she's like looking at, she picks up like, she's like, what is this? And they're like, that's dirt. She's like, this is amazing. So she's never seen dirt before. And she's like kicking it and everything like that. So they, they're there to see Tech and Hunter's friend. And Echo asks, what's their friend doing, you know, way out there? And they said her friend is a deserter. But then they're like, well, are you sure you can trust this person? And they're like, well, we're all deserters now. So they're, they're walking, and then he, Hunter stops him because there's a tripwire. And Hunter's like, a oh, tripwire? Whoa, that's like that. And then he hits another tripwire. <laughs> so these, like, droids pop up, and he's, like, starts shooting. They're, like, they try stopping him, whatever. And then a, a female Twi'lek named Sue, S-U-U, and his dude come up with on them with guns. And then they're like, oh, more clones have lost their way. So the human dude... The human dude's a clone. Doesn't really look like a clone. I mean, like almost like balding hair and like a ponytail and wearing a hat and everything like that. So the, the dude's name is is Cut. And he asks where Crosshair is. And Hunter says it's complicated. Cut uh, um, says, oh, that sounds familiar. He's like, Rex told me about the, the clone troopers turning against the Jedi. 
And they're like, what? Rex was here? It's like, yeah, he passed through, you know, here yesterday. He was saying something about a behavioral implant. And Omega says that, you know, he must have meant the inhibitor chip. And she's like, the the Kaminoans, I think that's how how she said it, implanted them in the clones to modify their behavior. So, you know, they weren't really fully aware of this. So Cut and Sue apparently have two Twilight. I don't know if they're, they have two Twilight kids and they look like Twi'leks. (laughs) Twi'leks? So I'm sorry, Star Wars hardcore. I'm a Star Wars fan. Whatever. I'm, you're probably like, no, you're not. Uh, so they have two kids. I'm trying to think of the, the compatibility, but they they look like Twi'leks. Now I'm saying Twi'leks. I'm Twi'leks, Twi'leks. I'm going to go back and forth. So they 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 they're like, well, we there's never any kids around here. So they grab like Omega's hand. They they go outside, and she's not sure what to do. You know, they're, they're like throwing a ball. You know, playing catch, and and she's like, what's the purpose of this? Or whatever. And they're like, to have fun. <laughs> so Cut asks, he's like, what's up with the girl? And Hunter's like, uh, she's a defective clone, like like us. And Cut's like. Uh, you know, the, the Kaminoans don't make clones without a purpose. So, like, you know, what's hers? Cut and Hunter, they go into town because Cut wants to charter a shuttle for his family. Because, you know, he says there's been more clone troopers coming around and, you know, things are getting, you know, more whatever, dangerous, dicey. They're starting to seize ships and everything. And then you find out that there's new regulations that require citizens. They're supposed to trade in their own cash and to get like imperial money credits, whatever, and get a chain code. So the chain codes was like identify each person separately. The problem is, Cut can't sign up for one because he'd be arrested when it was discovered that he was a deserter because he's a clone. Omega, um, you know, at one, you know, goes after the ball, so the ball went off somewhere. But apparently, she went beyond the border because there's like some fences, and there's like this big beast behind her, and um, so they they have to like get her you know the kids yell and sue goes up on a roof has like a like a sniper gun and starts shooting and everything they finally get her back and hunter like yells at her he's like you know you could have been killed he's like what were you thinking or whatever and cuts like easy you know she's not a soldier and he actually like you know picks her up and like you know kind of holds her in his arms and he's like it's, it'll be okay whatever and and then you know um hunter like feels bad but you know he was he was concerned and you know he kind of lashed out so then uh hunter Ask Tech if he can forge some chain codes for them. And Tech's like, well, I just learned about it, you know, about chain codes moments ago, but yeah. So Omega's sitting alone in the ship and she looks at her headpiece because she wears this like headband thing, pendant thing on her head. I don't know what, what, the, what it means, but she's looking at, at that and, you know, she's like fighting back the tears and stuff. Hunter talks to Cut and Sue and he asks them if they'll take Omega with them because it would be you know, good for her to be like with a family because, you know, what are they going to do with her? Tech and Echo decide, because uh, so in order to hack the system and create uh, chain codes, Tech needs to like get into the system. So they decide to let their ship get impounded, like reported as is a derelict ship so they can get into the system or whatever. And then they like take off a hunter when he finds out he's like, he's like, what? It's like, he's not happy with the idea. May one because he doesn't think it's a good idea, but two because Omega's on the ship. So um, they they get they end up getting the chain codes, whatever. Um, Omega grabs them, you know, takes them and, and runs back to the other because without like on her own without telling the others, she starts she gets discovered by some clones and then Wrecker shows up and you know helps out a little bit, and then she finally gets to the family 
and in hunters with, with them because they're about to reach like a checkpoint and if they don't have the chain codes then they're in trouble but she she has a chain code so she's like tech accidentally made five codes instead of four and it cut goes to hunter you didn't tell her so hunter kneels down and he's like it's for you and she's like did i do something wrong he's like no no he's like you know they're they're a good family and they'll give you the life you deserve but she's like i i want to stay with you and he's like but it's it's for your own good so that and the troopers are scanning the code and it's like it's totally it's like they they have like a little device they have to take the the it's like a disc like a computer what a stick it in there and then let it process pull it out stick the next one in it's like it's so slow you think they would have like beep like a you know grocery store barcode thing or whatever and so uh there's like it's so basically it's it's like a puts us in suspense are the codes gonna work they work they're clear and then uh omega like looks back and you know it's, it's sad and then tech calls and says that you know they need to get going they've worn out their what they're welcome so there's like you know shoot out by the ship and uh, you know more troopers are firing on them and and when they get their records like hey omega's not back and hunter tries explaining and then she's like wait for me so then they they get her and they they get on a ship and they fly off there there's a little bit more to it like because a ship had blocks on it whatever whatever so then uh on the ship omega talks to hunter and she's like i know i made a mistake and i have a lot to learn but you don't have to get rid of me it's like i left camino with you this is where i want to be and then hunter's he's like you know, I have some things I need to learn too. And he's like, if this is where you want to be, then this is where you'll stay. So that, that was uh, the first two episodes. So I I'm enjoying the show. I I'm kind of hesitant about Omega. Cause I feel like, okay, we, we have this kid just for the sake of appealing to young, a young audience, just like let's do a movie with, Oh, with uh, Anakin as a little kid. So we get the kids to want to watch. And, hey, this is Bombad Racing. But it's not that bad. Um, whatever, that's fine. I mean, it could be interesting. The, the fact that Omega is obviously a clone, what's up with that? And who is she a clone of? Is, is she, I mean, is she another clone of, of Django, but then enhanced and somehow made female? You know, because, you know, none of the Bad Batch look alike. You know, there's some differences with their enhancements or whatever so maybe we'll find out more like what's going on maybe she's a no it's like i don't think padme was ever i don't know that would be just dumb but it will it'll be interesting to see more what happens and i i really know nothing about this season i don't know where they're gonna go we know fennec from uh mandalorian is gonna pop up at some point so that'll be cool and um i'm i'm excited to see what's gonna happen and i didn't think i I would be this excited but but I'm digging it. So uh, new episodes air on Fridays, and I believe there's 10 episodes in this first season. All right, and then this week's movie feature is Justice Society World War II. So I I like this movie. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, at first, I was like, Justice Society, okay. And and World War II, it's like, okay, what's going on here? And the, my big question is like, wait, Wonder Woman's in this? It's like, okay, so this is some other timeline you know we're not we're not doing the shared universe thing anymore okay that's fine let's do these movies individually but that's always the the kind of the tricky thing is because like when they kind of redid the justice society you know incorporating them into like the main continuity 
what do you do with Wonder Woman? Because Wonder Woman was with the Justice Society, but then she can't be with them because she hadn't discovered man's land or whatever. You know, hadn't left Themyscira. And then I think they kind of, then they kind of say, it's like, oh, it was Hippolyta that actually went off wearing the Wonder Woman garb, was fighting alongside the Justice Society or whatever. So that was my big question. It's like, what's going to be on here? My other question, because I, I did like a, an, quote unquote unboxing video for this the when i i got the copy of, of the the disc because people like looking at like what's the disc art going to look like what's on the back or whatever and on the back of the of the the blu-ray aquaman's on there i'm like why the heck is i <laughs> i was like why why is aquaman on here it's like that doesn't make any sense I'm like okay but you find out so what's going on here it starts off, the president's watching film footage of Nazis taking over countries. So that's the interesting thing is that they're actual Nazis. And, you know, because it seemed like in the comics for a while, they, they, they maybe it was more Marvel, but it felt like they kind of were like hesitant to use the word Nazis. Like they, were, they would call them Ratsies or, you know, whatever. Or was there something else they called them? But anyways, so they're searching for magical artifacts, too. And then there's mention of Our Man, Dinah Lance, Jay Garrick, Carter Hall, who is in his fourth reincarnation. And the president's like, you know, if they're enough to fight back the Nazis, you know, who's going to lead them? And then Wonder Woman walks in and she asks the president, she's like, are you ready to win- end this war? So then we get like some old, like old timey, filmy opening credits and music. So, again, that's a nice touch to bring us you know into this era then it cuts to the modern day we see barry allen i was like wait is that supposed to be iris iris west um she's black so we're 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 doing that and this is a thing this is such like a non-issue but i it's it's perplexing to me okay because in the comics iris is white when the new 52 came out in 2011 DC editorial decided, okay, we're going to be a little more diverse. Okay, great. And we're going to make Iris West black now. And, and she was, she wasn't quite black. Actually, no, didn't they? It was a little different. No, 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 no. Take that back. She wasn't black in 2011. She wasn't black in Francis Manipal and Brian Bucciolato's run of the flash. But then during the, during that run, her complexion started getting a little darker because then they, when they introduced Wally, who was Wallace West as being black and being her nephew, they kind of had to explain that. So it's like, it's like, it felt like some people were, were coloring her a little darker and then little by little slowly, she started getting whiter again. And then obviously in the TV show, Iris is black and you know, we're that we're so used to that. Like that is like, it's supposed to be like that. So that's, that's fine. I'm totally fine with with the show. I'm a little I get annoyed with Iris's character, the way she's written on the show. That's a completely different. Uh, it has nothing to do with with the actress who's very delightful. How many times did I interview her? At least once, maybe twice. No, twice, a couple times. And uh, but it's just weird with the comics how they go back and forth. So it's like okay, we have Black Iris on the TV show. Great, you know, more diversity. And then in the Snyder Cut, we I, I, this is such a stupid tangent. I apologize. In the Snyder Cut, wait, is that supposed to be Iris? I don't. Do they even mention her name at all? But she's black again. And it's like okay. And then here's this cartoon. Iris is gonna be black again. 
Okay. I mean, does it matter? It doesn't. It shouldn't matter because it's a fictional character. But it's just, I, I don't know. And I mean, call me a. Tra- I, I see. I want to say I'm a traditionalist, but I don't know if that is that sound like like oh no, you're not traditionalist. You're racist. I'm not racist. Although when people say they're not racist, they're sometimes they are racist. I just I just think it's. I always think it's interesting, and because I always say you know where's the Latinos or whatever. And you know, so I, I'm I have a slightly vested interest in it. I'm not. Oh my gosh, I should need to shut up about this. I just think it's it's interesting when you can see them like trying to force this agenda, and maybe some people don't see that, and that's great. That means it's working. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just skeptical. But when I see this, I was like, I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio, like you know, pointing is like, I, I see what you're doing there. Anyways. Jeez. I I should just like cut that out, edit it, but that would be make more work. Um, so <laughs> Perry and Iris are having a picnic. He's like having a hard time slowing down because you know he's so he they wanted to get out of town. You know, but he's like, oh, we forgot this. You know, I should I can run back and get it and everything. So she's like, you know, you're never really away from your other job, and you know she's like, you know, it's been years. You know, what do you want from me? And she's like, is this a fling? And he says that you know it's the the best way to keep her safe. So I'm not sure if her if their relationship is kind of a secret, and maybe that's why they went away. I don't think that that's what that meant. You know, he's he's like this is the best way to keep her safe. You know, no one finds out, but I don't know. Does anyone know that Barry Allen's a flash here or whatever? So she says that you know if that's how you feel, then you you should just break up with me because she's like you know life is dangerous and you know it's just kind of silly to like tiptoe around it or whatever. Then there's a sudden explosion off in the distance and she's like go you know you you ha- have work to do and and she you know even though it's frustrating and everything she totally gets it and and so she's not mad or anything she's like just you need to go. So then uh, it's what's going on is Superman's fighting Brainiac oh and the style is is a similar to Superman uh, Man of Tomorrow. So I, I kind of dig that style. It's a, it's kind of not. It's not like cell shaded, but it's it's kind of like a heavy art. And I there's something about it. I just re- I really like it, and it feels because like with the the new fifty two continuity series, it felt a little looser with the art or something. I don't see. I don't even know how to describe it. But this just feels like you know kind of like more solid, and and I, I dig it. Anyways, so Superman's fighting Brainiac and um, some drone drones have him pinned then flash comes running you know kicks brainiac but brainiac apparently has some kryptonite and it's like a bullet so we get the impression as like is this the first time flash and superman are teaming up because this is this could be the same superman from the man of tomorrow i don't remember if they confirmed that or not if if they made it clear but this is apparently if you could feel like this is their first time fighting and uh you know so Brainiac shoots a bullet. Barry has to run really fast to catch the kryptonite bullet. But then there's some some lights, and you hear like you see like Doctor Fate, whatever. He's like, "Keep running, follow my voice," or whatever. And then you see war. Um, Nazis are are going up against Wonder Woman. She takes out a whole squad of them. Hawkman shows up, and then Flash appears. She grabs him. She's like probably grabbing him by the neck. And, you know, because she's like, doesn't know who he is. Like, what are you doing here? And she sees a symbol. And then she's like, did President Roosevelt send you? And, you know, Dinah's there. And then Wonder Woman says, you know, keep an eye on him. Because, you know, Barry, he doesn't know what's going on. So Barry hears someone needs some help. So he he takes off. 
he goes to take some um t- take out some nazis but he's actually like out of breath and he's like this hasn't happened before and you know then he says that he's figured out what's going on so he tells him that he's from the future and then at this point jay garrick arrives too um and also what's going on then um then steve trevor shows up because there's there's a plane coming their way so he's in a plane fighting the enemy plane and then his his ship gets hit so it's starting to go down so barry runs to save him but his speed isn't isn't what it used to be so jay's running up alongside of him they both run sorry <laughs> my arm has been hurting lately i feel like i feel like i got a, a vaccine shot in my right arm but i got him in my left arm so i don't know what i did i haven't i have sadly have not been working out but anyways they're doing i'm and i'm trying to do this for your benefit i'm trying to act it out even though you can't see what i'm doing so it's totally stupid they're, they do it and i'm still doing it <laughs> Okay, put my hands down. They try doing the arm twirly things, you know. <laughs> I can't explain it without trying to do it, even though absolutely no, my my cat's not even here. No one can see me. So they're doing it to try to create some wind to slow down the plane and everything like that. And it works. So Wonder Woman's like, oh, I guess I've misjudged you. So Barry comments that he's never seen so many heroes working together. And Steve tells him, like, they're the JSA, the Justice Society, whatever. They work in secret and stuff like that. And then in the middle of all this, Steve gets on a knee and proposes to Wonder Woman. And it's like, what? Because I, I, there was a, a, like a, a clip came out of this. I was like, oh, what? Oh, they're going there, okay? But then Wonder Woman's like, nope. <laughs> she says no. And then the other's like, you know, Barry's just like watching all this. And they, they tell him, like, you know, he proposes every day, you know, and she says no every day. So they then they have to find, they get some like a uh, mission, some message, but it's in a code. So they have to find this code breaker guy that, that Hawkman knows. So um, Dinah seems to be a little upset. Uh, and and what it turns out, they, they keep calling uh, Barry Future Boy. So she's she's upset that he doesn't know anything. You know, if he's from the future, why doesn't he know who they were? You know, here they are fighting in the war, doing all this stuff. And Hawkman's like, well, you know, we're supposed to be a secret. So they're this friend of of Hawkman. They they he calls him Shakespeare. So who's like who's this Shakespeare guy? And uh, uh, they they end up finding him like he's in his prison. And Barry's like, he seems familiar. And then uh, in the prison, he says that um, someone said that he'd come or something like that, and he gives a he he, he gives him a, a package. And it, when you like, they open it a little bit. It's like it looks like Superman's colors in there. But then the the prisoner gets shot, but the bullets don't penetrate him. And then Barry finally recognizes him. This Shakespeare dude, it's Superman. But he has this like little little thin mustache, and his, his hair is a little different. But now you can kind of you can see that he has a the little little curl in his hair. So he's he's kind of different because he's very selfish, and he, he talks. You know, he, one day you find out like what what why what's going on. So Jonathan and Martha died when he was three, so he ended up growing up in an orphanage. And then at this point, so here's a kicker. Here's a big spoiler, not a big spoiler, but a big spoiler. Barry realizes he's not in his past. He's on a different Earth, which makes total sense with Justice Society, with Earth 2 and all that. So this explains, and if you think about it, this is, this is why Wonder Woman's in the past. So they could still have Wonder Woman in future movies if they decide to do Justice League with this Flash and with this Superman. And this also gives you an idea why the heck, spoiler, Aquaman's on the back. 
So there's other stuff going on because uh, the, the message has coordinates for the Bermuda Triangle. So they're going to have to go there and they're going to come across Aquaman and stuff like that. They're, and then they're going to end up going to New York. And have to fight. There's this big fight and, and stuff like that. But uh, uh, Dinah, she, she's pretty cool. She she does some like some kick-ass moves like with her scream. Fierce, this one point, just like big, big scream. Um, there's casualties. You know, not everyone's going to make it here. So that's the other thing that you know they're they're earning the what's it PG whatever rating you know it's this isn't a rated G movie and it it sets things up where you know from here we could have another movie in this continuity you know you could continue the story and everything so I'm not gonna say anything more about it but it was it was good all around I I really liked it and um, you know I hate to say it but with with the the previous round of movies I kind of I kind of got back I. I backed up. I fell behind. I didn't was. What am I trying to say? I gotta cut this man. I, I gotta stop. I stopped watching for. I fell behind, and then I had to like eventually get caught up and watch all the movies that I missed. And part of it, I, I don't really know why I, I didn't watch them so much. It just they were they're really good. You know, I, I still I enjoy them. You know, I appreciate everything they're doing, and I I loved what they're doing. And Jason O'Mara's Batman. Yeah, you know, I, I I love Jason O'Mara. He's such a I love talking to him. Yeah, you know, I've talked to him. I've interviewed him so many times for, for playing Batman and when he was uh, on Agents of Shield. But there's something about this this style again, and so it's, it's like getting me excited. And I I think that's the main difference is. I prefer this animation style more than the other animation style. And then I didn't mind the other style, but this just feels a little, it's a little more appealing in my opinion. So we have all that. What else is on this, the, the Blu-ray? If you decide to get the Blu-ray to 4K HD, Ultra HD or regular Blu-ray, um, there's a DC showcase, Commandy, The Last Boy on Earth. And it's interesting because you know I'm being perfectly honest. I don't know a whole lot about Commandy. I've read I've read a handful of stories, maybe more than with him because he's you know he was recently in that that other Shattered Generations or whatever that that one story was, and I'm pretty sure he was. I mentioned this at at some point that he was in a Batman Brave and a Bold. But after I, I think about that, he might have just been like at the the opening the stinger part. They they would always uh have Batman and like what was it a ghost tank or whatever before it actually wasn't like the main part of the episode so I th- I think there is there is a bit with Commandy but it was only like the sixty second or whatever however long those those I actually need to watch that series again I, I like I really like that show. So uh yeah and I, I've read a couple others but I don't know a whole lot and I you know I know. The post-apocalyptic world and ant talking animals and you know Commandy's the last boy. Uh, so this this was, I enjoyed this and I I I feel like I should like it more because of the history of Jack Kirby and whatever and but I just never got into it because it was before my time and when I was reading comics, if they were putting any out, I wasn't aware of them. I wasn't seeing them or anything. So I, I enjoyed this this story for what it was, and there is a there is a nice uh, little surprise in there as well, and everything. And then we get a, a first look at Batman Long Halloween Part One, and that's gonna be interesting. One thing that is uh, sad is Catwoman is voiced by Naya Rivera, um, 
from Glee and other things who unfortunately passed away last summer. She drowned and, you know, left a infant child, you know, behind who's going to grow up now without his mother. So it's it's heartbreaking. I mean, it was, it was very sad uh, and everything. So, you know, when you watch this, you see there's like her talking about it and we don't see a whole lot of like interview stuff or footage with her, but it's like, you could tell she's, she's excited for this role, you know, not like she was like overjoyed or bubbly or anything like that, but she, and she like understood like the importance of it. So it wasn't just like, yeah, this is just a gig I'm doing. You know, she, you could tell she respected what she was doing and, and that, you know, she was happy to be part of it. And then I hate to say, did they record both parts? I'm assuming they did, but that's just it's 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 so sad. It's it's so heartbreaking that you know that she passed away because she was so young, and it's it's just it's just it's it's a tragedy. And I hate to end things like that, but um, well, so we can look at that, and then you know maybe they'll dedicate the the movie to her because yeah, that just it sucks. But the other thing that may or may not suck is this is the end of the episode. So hooray for no more bumbling Tony or uh, what's the opposite of hooray? Boo-hoo. The, the episode's over. Now we got to wait a week. I hope hope you're feeling that way. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken and everyone else. But Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken are big supporters of the show. I mean, you uh, seriously they they are huge supporters i i I am so touched by their generosity month after month you can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gman for mech any amount you can commit to will be super duper cool and awesome and if you commit at the rick jones tier or higher you get access to the secret podcast from heck which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week on top of all this. So I am going to finally finish the look back at the Vision and the Scarlet Witch 12-issue miniseries. It's felt like it's been a long 12. I've enjoyed this look back, but it feels like it's been a long 12 weeks compared to when I talked about All-Star Superman, which was also, was that 12? That was 12, right? Anyways, uh, but I, I also, I, I have some movies that I want to talk to, but I need to like, actually watch them. There's a couple movies. I, ha- I haven't seen them, but I want to talk about them. I don't even know if they're any good, but I want to talk about them. And there's a reason why. Maybe those will be in a couple weeks. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or how about two? And that is ko-fi.com slash g-man from heck okay so what is going to happen next week um i feel really bad because i keep saying without remorse i actually i still haven't watched a movie at, at this point so that that movie's come out it was it's been two weeks now maybe longer like almost three weeks so part of me i'm like because i was gonna do without remorse I, I didn't do it last week because it came out on friday and because I had watched Willy's Wonderland and I recorded that. And I mean, Willy's Wonderland, I could have done at any point because it was already so far after it. And that's the other thing. Willy's Wonderland, I did two months after it came out or whatever. And I'm, I was fine with that. 
But without remorse, so I haven't watched it yet. I was going to do it for this week, but then I got the an early copy of Just Society uh, World War II, and that Blu-ray is coming out this week when you're listening right is it this week i'm pretty sure it's this week as as you as this goes live so i was like i got i got to do that and then um next week i could do it next week which is the whole point of what i'm talking about now i'm so out of it but next week i think i'm going to do i think jupiter's legacy is going to be the feature my goal and i i'm not there yet i i'm hoping i can watch all 8 episodes and talk about all those. So it might be, you know, with my babbling long coverage going in depth. And maybe I'll try to, I'll, I'm going to try to go less detail, but I can't seem to do that. But I, I, I kind of want to cover it all in one rather than break that down into two weeks. We'll see how that goes. But if I do that, then, you know, that would make sense if that's the main feature because it's going to be like a big chunk of the podcast. And then other things that we'll have. So we'll have uh, another episode of Bad Batch. Um, I'll probably uh, definitely do the Flash. I'll probably do uh, Legends of Tomorrow. We'll we'll see how that goes for a while. Cruel Summer, uh, Mayor of Easttown, The Nevers, comics and news and um, and me. So that's what you have to look forward to next week. So thank you for listening. I hope you are doing well. If you are in school, I hope you're you're getting ready for the end of the year. I am so ready for the end of the year. <laughs> and uh, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're, you're focused and you're working hard. You're not s- cutting corners. Don't, you know, don't, don't cut back. Don't, don't cheat yourself. You know, do what you can. Take advantage. Get your education, whatever. But if you're not in school, hopefully you're working hard or you're doing something or doing something fun. Exciting. Anyways... Thank you for listening. I appreciate you being here. You are important to me. And I really appreciate the fact that you are here with me. Because, you know, I, I we need each other. So I'm happy that I am able to give this show to you. And I'm happy that you are there listening right now. So thank you. So have a great week. And make sure you remember to be good to each other.